The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, and Bogus Lotus. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, I still don't know what happened after I left that restaurant, but that Little League baseball team brawl was really getting heated. Wow, Neil. Sometimes that can happen, but oh, oh, we are live. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. We are back after a long three-week hiatus. Uh, I really hope that everyone out there enjoyed our side mission episode projects. But uh, before we get back into things, Mike, I want to know, how was your trip? You were uh, away in Chile. What was your vacation like? That's right. It was Chile in Chile. It was, mm. uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. I got to explore another continent, you know, check that off the list. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Uh, Chile is a really, really awesome spot. Uh, it's the winter right now uh, in, in Chile, so it's uh, it's colder than it is here, actually. Although we were okay. in the desert for a lot of the part, and that was uh, hot during the day, but like three degrees Celsius at night. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, so I'm sorry, nope. Americans, but <laughs> uh, it, was, <laughs> it was cold at night, very cold. Desert's obviously super cold at night, super hot during the day, but it was a really magical place, uh, really interesting, just a very different culture, and, uh, uh, you know, no one speaks English, but uh, I knew a little bit of Spanish, I could get by, and... Uh, nice. And uh, uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. There's even... So, my favorite story of, of being in Chile is every time we would walk around, we would often see these markets, you know, just these mm-hmm. stands selling nothing, usually, or, or selling just <laughs> clothes or whatever. And right. I would always make the joke of, do you have any GameCube games here? <laughs> and of course, they didn't. And uh, in Santiago, after we were in the desert, we went to the capital city, Santiago, huge, huge city. And... I was walking around and we we saw all these tents set up and figured it was another market. And I make the same joke when I'm there. And of course, uh, it, the joke is real. Uh, there are GameCube <laughs> games there. There was just tons, tons of pop culture merchandise from nice. everything you can think of. Tons of Stranger Things stuff for sale there. Uh, tons of Pokemon stuff, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, uh, uh, any kind of games you could think of from a- every single generation, like tons of NES and SNES games there too, and Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color games. Tons of game manuals and like um, game oh, guides cool. that were being sold there too. A lot of Japanese editions of right. things that I had never seen before. Tons of Japanese GameCube edition uh, games, which I thought was, was really cool, but... Uh, yeah, it was basically like an outdoor Comic-Con. <laughs> I was going to say, this is starting to sound a lot like the Toronto Fan Expo, basically, mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Were you able to buy anything? Did you add any games to your collection while you were there? Uh, I did not, unfortunately, because uh, <laughs> most of the games uh, weren't like priced there. And ah. it's kind of expected that you haggle 
with everybody? Um, <laughs> well, you know the prices of everything now, so you can probably. I know you, you would have been the best equipped to do that. I know, I know. There was there were a couple where they did have the price, but I I, I wasn't uh, uh, confident enough to haggle in Spanish, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Do you know Do you know any numbers? Like, what could you count up to if you had to? I could count up to the twenty. That was so. It was funny oh. when I would ask because if you say quanto, that's like you know how much. Uh, right. And uh, so I would say that for a lot of pl- uh, a lot of things. And so whenever they said a number that I didn't know, <laughs> that's when I knew I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not buying this because their uh, their currency mm. is basically like twenty thousand is roughly twenty dollars USD. Okay. Uh, so it was kind of easy to figure out that way. So yeah, if it was anything more than I was like, uh, I don't know. And plus I had to bring stuff back in my carry on. Yeah, so. that's true. You could have haggled every GameCube game there down to 20 bucks if you I really know. wanted to though. I, if that was the only number that you knew. They would have been like, this guy's crazy. But uh, <laughs> you're just buying Sunshine and Melee and Double Dash and all the Zeldas for 20 bucks. You could have just kept it going. Neil, I was close to buying the entire Japanese like GameCube like library oh, that they had there. I, I was going to ask like how much for all of it, but I was like, no, no, no. I need to like, I need to go back. I need to pack. I need to actually have room in my suitcase. Sure. But uh, that makes sense. Yeah, Chile was was amazing. I would highly recommend it. You know what I loved the most about it, Neil? No tourists. Oh, except for you, of course. Ex- yeah, except for us. Um, <laughs> in the desert, it was really cool to just be uh, in like a canyon, an area, and just like walking around without thousands of people trying to like look over the same like lookout. Uh, right. which is something I find we get a lot in North America where kind of someone posts something on Instagram and now everyone is there and trying to get yeah. pictures of it. So uh, should try and go while you can uh, before uh, <laughs> Instagram takes it over. Is it just the time of year that it wasn't too busy or is it really just because people don't think of Chile when they think of a place to travel to? I think it's definitely the time of year because it is like the winter there, of, although it was, you know, very mild. Like it's like... Yeah, like three degrees, even at the coldest, still doesn't sound that bad. Exactly. Like, like, yeah. Like Canadian, right? <laughs> and and uh, the, mostly their tourists are from other Spanish-speaking countries in like Latin mm. America. Uh, and they do have some European tourists too, but there's just not a ton of Americans uh, and North Americans in general that that go down there. So uh, it's uh, it was pretty cool to yeah just be like like some of the only English people uh, speaking people uh, around. I felt uh, I felt less like a tourist, more like I was integrated into the, uh, the the fabric of the community, which was really cool, especially in the desert in the small towns. Well, that's really cool. And if we have any listeners out there from Chile, if we have any what Chilean listeners out there, please give us a shout out. Uh, let us know that you're listening. We it sounds like that there's a pretty thriving GameCube community there, or just <laughs> yeah. someone unloading all of their GameCube <laughs> games. It's kind of hard to tell if they love the GameCube or they really just want to sell it. But and Mike, while we were away, we had a quick NFT report, a Nintendo Financials Time report. Uh, Nintendo released their Switch numbers for summer of 2021. Not much has changed really. We're at 112 million Switches out there. We're six million away from the PS4 and about 7 million away from the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. Uh, It's big stuff. Those are big numbers. I think that for sure by the end of this year, I believe we'll probably see the Switch surpass the PS4. And then early next year, the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color will be passed by the Switch, which is just crazy. I did not see this coming in 2017. Do you think that uh, the Switch will hit DS numbers at 154 million? It's tough to say, right? Because it depends on how long Nintendo wants to ride this thing. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I feel like they might just get there. You know, it might. Mm. That's my. Uh, that's where it might end. Is around 150. I don't. I don't see it surpassing it too much, uh, but I, I, I see it ending it around 150 because I can't imagine they're going to have massive numbers this uh, this Christmas uh, and holiday season, and then after that, mm. I would imagine they would probably try and put out a new console. Uh, for holiday season 2023, uh, or at least a new iteration of a console for like for the Switch. So uh, it'll be interesting what happens. I think honestly, 
COVID is uh, is to blame in terms of their great numbers. <laughs> like, like yep. that's one of the big reasons why it has done well. Uh, and also because COVID has kind of sustained that because, well, because of all the manufacturing shortages and everything. Right. And chip shortages. It's kind of forced Nintendo to just stick with the Switch and kind of stick mm-hmm. with it for better or for worse, which has actually helped them a lot. Because one of the big problems with the Wii uh, was after they got massive growth and, and sales with the Wii, they kind of quickly went to the Wii U, which was obviously a failure and right. was probably the wrong move. They should have just probably made a, a small iteration of a Wii rather than trying to make this new console with the name Wii U. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it should have just been a should have just been an HD uh, version of the mm-hmm. Wii for sure. But we can we can we've talked about that yes, until we're yes. blue in the face for sure. <laughs> I think you're totally right that the uh, pandemic had a lot to do with the Switch's success. Also, now that it's been five years, the Switch itself, not the best hardware like the original Switch. So I think a lot of people are now on their second unit. You just picked up the OLED model. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting a lot of people like that who have, you know, worn out their original Switch and have upgraded to something better or they've expanded to the Switch Lite. Uh, I, I know a lot of parents uh, that I've worked with and that I've known who, you know, their kids are they're done with the Xbox One and the PS4 and they can't find PS5s because of that chip shortage that you mentioned. So they're like, well, I'm just going to get my kid a Switch to keep them happy. We're going to start going on road trips again. So we're going to get a Switch now. And that's definitely led the charge too. It's kind of sad that it's not new games coming out that are selling Switches. It's more just people apathetic i guess to the gaming market right <laughs> yeah. now just like well i'm gonna i can't get a ps5 so i might as well get a switch i guess um and then folks like us who are just kind of getting their second switch now but nonetheless i'm really happy to see it i'm not sure the switch will get up to 150 i think the mid 130s is probably where it's going to end up okay. but let, like you said it's really dependent on if nintendo does put out a new console next year or early 2024 or they keep riding out this this switch line uh it's hard to say right now i hope that they put out a new console soon but uh who knows the game boy was around for like 13 years so yeah, yeah. Be looking at something like that again where 2030 we're still buying mario rabbids kingdom battle 5 or whatever <laughs> it may be but another update for everyone out there we have a t public announcement uh while we were away we've been working on a t public storefront so we now have some merch available on that website there right now it's just our logo we're trying to work on some other designs but really hard with the Nintendo continually shutting us down but if you'd like to see our logo on a sticker mug notebook or whatever the case might be head on over to tpublic.com we will post the link in the show notes for this episode so you can go on over there and check it out Uh, hopefully we have more news about that to report in the future but just letting you guys know now this episode is brought to you by manscaped.com our listeners have been using manscaped products for the past few months and are joining the millions of people around the globe in the manscaped community and for another month your body hair can be kept under control using our promo code gamecube at checkout it's officially summertime and everybody talks about looking good for the warmer months but few have the balls to do it well it's time to nut up or shut up and take the easiest step to looking sexy this summer by using Manscaped. Manscaped's ultra-smooth package makes sure you have the proper care for down there, and their Boxer 2.0 gives you the perfect stage to show off your new look. These products may make you look hot, but your cleanly shaven nethers will keep you cool, and the Boxer's 2.0 patented pouch technology will keep your boys from turning any beach day into swamp day. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash GameCube. 
I am a huge fan of the Ultra Smooth Package, which is a specialized three-step groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking Crop Shaver Razor, Crop Exfoliator, and Crop Gel. This kit is the perfect polish to make your family jewels shine. It's an amazing kit and has become a staple in my bathroom routine. You start with the Crop Exfoliator, infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The Crop Exfoliator can help reduce risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Then you move on to the Crop Gel. You want to see where you're shaving with the clear shaving gel designed just for the groin. It's called your delicate area for a reason. This is one place you don't want to go in blind. Then it's time to shave. The Crop Shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. The razor with three precision blades, including extra wide lubrication strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands and without compromise to the environment. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. There are so few perfect summer days. Don't let hot, sweaty balls ruin them. Stay fresh, stay clean, and smelling good with Manscaped. And now, back to the podcast. But for now, Mike, I think it's time that we jump into some Patreon topics. What do you think? Let's do it, Neil. We have three Patreon topics because, of course, mm-hmm. we were on vacation uh, and I couldn't get letters in Chile. So Yeah, the mail service in Chile is uh, not too efficient when you're trying to get things forwarded from Toronto all the way down to Chile. Also, probably just better to uh, get it all done in one episode. So let's get started with our first topic, which is iRebel. iRebel says, It's August. The summertime heat is bearing down. You are chugging down your refreshing drink of choice. And it's the season of drive-ins and double features. That's right. My topic for this month is not one film, but two for you guys to do your in-depth review of. Two of my favorite science fiction films ever, 1986's The Fly and 1982's The Thing. After watching them, please let us know what you think. Have you seen these films before? Did you enjoy them? Which one did you like more and would recommend? Please tell us your thoughts on these two classics. So, Mike, I'll go first on this. I uh, I saw The Thing a couple of years ago. It was one of the last movies I saw pre-pandemic in 2019, late 2019. I saw that one for the first time. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I, I realize that it's a slow-moving science fiction film, but it really makes those good scenes great. Uh, the acting is also really good as well. I love all the actors' relationships with each other, kind of building up and getting torn apart by the whole not knowing thing of the. It's a, it's just a great mystery novel, basically as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole movie is like an edge of your seat adventure, basically. Uh, I like the whole you can't trust anyone dynamic that I feel like is missing from a lot of the movies that I see these days. There's not like a lot of this, uh, I guess plot device that I see anymore. Sometimes you see it in survival horror games, but not so much. I love the uh, I love the setting of everyone being stranded in this Arctic science lab, basically, and they have no connection to the outside world. They have no way of getting out of this situation. They're all basically just slowly getting picked off one by one by this alien creature that they don't understand. They don't even know what it really looks like. It's just a great film from, from start to finish. And The Fly is a movie that I actually had never seen before this week, actually, mm-hmm. in preparing for this show. Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis, classic film. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie from start to finish. It starts off right away. I love that. Like, you right away, Gina Davis, and uh, I don't know their characters' names. I never learned them. But uh, <laughs> Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum's character, they start off right away going to his lab and checking out the machine and everything. And um, and they develop a relationship, and then, of course, everything goes south pretty quick. I love that. If this was a modern-day movie, 
the movie would have been three hours long, two and a half, three hours long, and we would have had so much extra filler. Yeah. I love these 1980s horror sci-fi movies that didn't have the budget to do that, so each scene had to count, which was really cool. Also, The Fly is filmed in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed one scene. You can see the CN Tower straight up in the background, so that was pretty cool. I don't know about the indoor scenes, but at least I guess some of the outside yep, scenes. it was were, all, uh... all Toronto. It's uh, David Cronenberg, oh. who is a oh, okay. Torontonian Canadian director. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so that that was that was pretty neat. I love I love seeing like bits of Toronto, being like, oh, that that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, have I seen these films before? The Thing, I have the Fly, I had not, but now I've seen them both, and I did really much enjoy them both. I think that these are both contenders for being the best sci-fi horror films uh, for me, up there with movies like Alien, uh, classic horror films. So, I highly recommend both of these movies. Uh, which one do, do I like more and which one do I recommend? It's weird because I think I like The Thing the thing more, mm-hmm. but I think I would recommend The Fly to more people. Uh, I think The Fly is just a little bit more of a conclusive start-to-finish story, even though I know they did make a sequel. I don't think it did as well. I haven't seen the sequel. Um, I just feel like it has more of what people like in movies. It has some comedy. It has some romance. It has some horror. It has some suspense. It, of course, has the science fiction element to it as well. Um, so I think The Fly is just a better movie to recommend to folks, whereas The Thing, you really have to sit down, you have to pay attention, you might have to go down some Reddit rabbit holes afterwards to try and figure out what the hell was going (laughs) on, and even the ending, there are so many theories as to, like, what happened after it, and they also made a prequel to The Thing, which I think came out in, like, 2012 or 2015, Yeah, I haven't seen that one, it's on Netflix, again, I don't know if I'm ever gonna see that one, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's probably what I would say is I like the thing better, but I'd recommend the fly to people. But Mike, what about you? Have you, uh, have you seen both of these films? I have, I have, I had seen the fly before a long time ago, uh, but I mm-hmm. remembered it fondly. My uncle, I think was the one who showed it to us, me and my cousins. And I remember watching it and I really liked it as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I was probably like a teenager, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really well done movie and it kind of got me into David Cronenberg's movies because, uh, of course, like I said, he's the great Canadian director who worked on this. And this is definitely his most, like, commercial kind of film. But he was yeah. always known as the the horror guru, like the guy who made all these crazy props and um, and and effects and everything. Uh, I've watched I've watched a lot of his movies. Uh, Videodrome is my favorite. That's a really, really messed up movie with uh, James Woods. Uh, oh. It's only 90 minutes. Uh, perfect time for you, Neil. Uh, great. Love it. <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, it's one of the most messed up movies i've ever seen like it's sweet but it's really really cool um i've seen crash i've seen uh history of violence with uh my boy vigo uh scanners you've probably seen like uh clips from scanners before neil it's it's the, it's the one where it's like a guy's head exploding and it's like a guy who's make making people's heads explode uh it's okay. uh it's pretty messed up as well but uh okay. yeah that's kind of his David Cronenberg's style and when I was watching The Thing for the first time because I had never seen it before I was like oh this actually feels very David Cronenberg-esque like and yeah. but it's um it's uh, John Carpenter who of course did all those uh, classic 80s movies and uh, uh yep. and I was like oh this is this is interesting it wasn't what I expected I wasn't really sure what the thing was uh, a ton of people have recommended it to me over the years like so many people are like you have to see The Thing it's so good and mm-hmm. it was it was really good it was uh, very interesting how it was paced, really modern. Like you could tell how basically so many filmmakers today took uh, a lot of cues from the thing where the fly is definitely like, you can tell it's an eighties movie. Yeah. You know, like uh, how it's paced, how it's shot, how it's directed. It's very much from that time, but the thing could honestly be made at any time. 
right. and other than the uh, Kurt Russell's hair, <laughs> so eighties. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, it was yeah, it was really interesting on in how modern it was and how it holds up so well. And of course, the fly does too. But the thing was like it's just a bit of a different beast in that sense. And of course, the ending being mm. you know pretty downtrodden and. Uh, uh, and ambiguous as well, right? Like you know, that's that was uh, reminded me of uh, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Same kind oh, okay. of idea, where you're just like you don't really know what's happening. Right. You know that we've kind of lost, but we, uh, yeah. but you don't know like how things happened. And uh, I thought that was what's your theory there? What's your theory? Do you think that they're both? Do you think either of them were uh, were the thing, or do you think neither of them were? Do you have any theory there? Just really quick. I think neither of them are. I think that's the theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, but it just it's the idea. You know, it's a, it's just a it's a great uh, archetype basically for movies. You know, the you're trying to figure out who's who's the 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 bad person. You're you're kill, killing people off by doing it, and it turns mm-hmm. out like like when he it's such a short little clip, but when he kills the. Uh, I don't forget his name. The guy who's like the dog wrangler. The dog, yeah. the dog lover. Me, basically. Yeah, this movie yeah. If I were in this movie, <laughs> he just kills him like right away, and like it's like not, yep. yeah, not a. He's not the thing at all. Nope. And uh, I was like, wow, that's brutal. Like this. Yeah, that crazy. was dark. So yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, uh, I guess the question I revel was saying, uh, which one would I recommend? Which one I like like more? I think I like The Fly the most. I think that's just like almost perfect movie. Um, mm-hmm. I love because I love Gina Davis and uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum in, in mm-hmm. it is Seth and Veronica. I think that's their name. I never uh, learned their names. That's the problem. It was just so quick, and I'm like, well, it's Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis on screen together. What more do I need? I also love in the Fly and the Thing. Both of them, very small cast. Yep. You know, you're just 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 who you need. It's uh, the credits are small in that, in that sense for the cast, and I really mm-hmm. I like movies like that where it's kind of all taking place in one area and with with uh, almost like a play. You know, and I think that's why both these movies succeed is because they're almost like a play format but uh yes mm-hmm. i think uh the fly is my favorite but i think i would actually recommend the thing to people now because it feels more of a modern movie okay we're like the opposite then there because i yeah. i you like the fly more and you'd recommend the thing i like the thing more but i would recommend the fly so that, that's kind of funny that. that we both <laughs> perfect twist there which one do you find more terrifying let's go with that before we close out this topic do you have a do you think one is more scary than the other i think the thing is more scary yeah me too yeah yeah definitely but both have a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, so you can't go wrong with either. You might feel like you're watching the same film. Also, shout out to Gina Davis. She's a fantastic actress. Our next Patreon topic comes from DoomersZan782, and they want to know, what are your favorite tracks from across all the Mario Kart series? For me, I'll pick two of my favorites from each game I've played. Double Dash, Wario Coliseum, and Waluigi Stadium. DS, Airship Fortress, and Waluigi Pinball. Wii, Coconut Mall, and DK Summit. 3DS, Rainbow Road, and Shy Guy Bazaar. 8, Sunshine Airport, and Wario Mountain. Tour, Bangkok Rush, and Ninja Hideaway. This is a really good topic. Mike and I are both huge fans of the Mario Kart series. I have played them all. We've even covered Double Dash already in episode 59. Can you believe it's been 50 episodes since we covered Double Dash, Mike? That's crazy. That's crazy to think. (laughs) But I have played all the Mario Kart games to to death, really, uh, especially the the more modern games, uh, not so much the SNES game. But I'll go through really quick my my favorite tracks from Mm -hmm. each game. Uh, I have a couple of shout-outs here as well. But from the SNES, I, I really don't have a favorite, to be honest with you. I've played that game. Mike and I are both on the same page. We don't think that that game has aged particularly well. I know that it has a big place in a lot of people's hearts, but really, I can't think of one course over the other from that game. I'm sorry. From the N64, (laughs) my favorite track is Wario Stadium. It's the first track from the Star Cup, if I'm thinking. No, it's the first track from the... Is it the Star Cup? 
No, I don't know. It's not this <laughs> Lightning Cup. Crap. Well, anyway, like my favorite Mario Kart game. Can't even remember. But uh, shout out to Yoshi Valley and Block Fortress from that uh, game as well. Block Fort is from the uh, the multiplayer balloon battle. I love that one. Double Dash has to go out to DK Mountain. The first time I got shot out of that cannon, I thought it was just the coolest thing ever. And big shout out to Baby Park. We have the seven laps there. And Yoshi's Circuit. Uh, GBA, I love this game, but it's like the SNES game. I can't remember a single track. There's just something about those 2D Mario Kart games that are just blank spaces for me. But in the new Mario Kart 8 DLC, there is the um, the ice level uh, from the GBA game, and it's a really good remake. So that that I'll give a shout-out to, I suppose. From Wii, I really loved Mushroom Gorge, which is also in the new Mario Kart DLC. But honestly, nothing else stands out. Maybe the um, the mall, Coconut Mall. Mm-hmm. Um that our uh, Patreon topic shouted out there. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, from DS, I really love Waluigi Pinball. That's also been remade on 3DS and the new uh, Deluxe uh, the Deluxe DLC. Uh, love Waluigi Pinball. It's such a clever course. And I love pinball in general, so it's a win-win. From the 3DS, Rainbow Road. That, uh, that game does have the best Rainbow Road of all the Mario Kart games. I stand by that to this day. <laughs> I think that that course is so cool. It shoots you to the moon. You get to go race on the moon for a bit, oh, yeah, and then you get one. shot back into space it's so cool i wish that they would remake that one at some point but we'll see shout out to maka woohoo which i think is from the uh, wii sports uh games i think that that's a really great uh really great track mario kart 7 in general on 3ds is a really underrated mario kart game it you never shows up game. on anybody's i i adore that game dude i played it for like a summer non-stop <laughs> I, I like it more than the ds one it's it's probably up i don't have my rankings with me right yeah. now but it's up there on my far, favorite mario kart game and finally with mario kart 8 deluxe not counting all of the remakes and everything that they've done i love twisted mansion which is based on luigi's mm. mansion really good one i'm not always a huge fan of the haunted mario kart levels but this one is really good and shout out to the f-zero tracks because because they are terrific. But what about you, Mike? What are your favorite Mario Kart levels from the series? Ooh, well, I mean, you named some great ones there, and Doomerzan also named some great ones. So thank you. I will have to steal a couple of your guys's. Um, the Yoshi N64 one. I forget what that one's called, but you know what I mean. It's like the egg. Yeah, um, Yoshi's Valley. That's the one that I shouted out, where you don't know where everybody is until the end. Okay, yeah, there we go. So it's that. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. DK Jungle Parkway. I love that one. Always Sweet. loved it, although I fall off on that little ramp a lot, <laughs> and I yep. can't get back, and you're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. Uh, for GameCube, of course, Baby Park. Number one course of all time. I love Gotta Baby Park, uh, and I'm glad that it is in the new Mario Kart Deluxe. Mm-hmm. Um, Warrior Coliseum, a really, really fun one as well. I think that one's just two laps, and I think that's why I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um there is uh, Moo Moo Meadows for the Wii. Uh, okay. I, I chose that because I used to do the time trials a lot and, like, try and beat the, the ghosts. And that was the one that I got, like, the best on every time. And so okay. I just, like, know it really well. That's that's why I like it. <laughs> um, Wario's Goldmine, just uh, just a fun track to, to play Sweet. on. I always enjoy playing there. Uh, Waluigi Pinball for DS for sure. That's that's a yep. that's a must play. Uh, Classic. TikTok Clock is one. That's, oh. It's one of the only ones I could remember really well that I I liked. I'm, I was trying to do this without looking at a list. So good. I'm, yeah, I'm, me too. I'm sure if I looked at a list, I'd be like, oh, but also this one and also this one. <laughs> like for the GameCube for Double Dash, basically every single course is, is exactly. 10, 10 for me. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, 3DS Shy Guy Bazaar for sure. That one's mm-hmm. a really fun one. And uh, Neo Bowser City, uh, I like that course a lot. Cool. Uh, and then for the new, for Mario Kart 8, uh, Wario Mountain, uh, like you said, great, uh, just a yeah. great track. I love that it's it's uh, just one big mountain that you go down. Mm-hmm. And Neil, I was surprised you didn't say it, but Big Blue from F-Zero. 
Well, I did say the F Zero tracks. That's I gave true. a shout yeah, out yeah, to yeah, the yeah, yeah, both yeah, F Zero yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah. I, I just said them both because again, they they bleed over to each other. But yes, Big Blue having the F Zero music in there too is just so cool. I know, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, those are those would be my picks for uh, for Mario Kart. Yeah, that's a great topic. I think about Mario Kart tracks all the time because like <laughs> I, I always, <laughs> it's just you know like I'm at work. I'm like, what what is it about? Because some tracks you don't like, some tracks you do yeah. like, some tracks you go back to. Some you're like, all right, I guess I'll do this one. Some tracks are three laps, like you said. Some tracks are two, which is random, and some are just one, which make every second count when it's only one lap. And the whole like two lap, one lap thing wasn't included until I guess it was Double Dash, because up until then everything was always three laps, and yeah. and then the one lap was was very different too. And Seven like laps every on Baby Park. Seven laps on Baby Park. Like, what is the limit here? Will Nintendo do a 10-lap track one day? Who yeah. knows? It's always exciting to see what they'll do. I really like the ones that they've been doing recently that are all based around food, like the random candy ones or the cheese one or the like the – there's one now that just came out that's based on pastries and stuff. It's it's really neat. There's also, like, random ones that keep coming back. I have no idea where the idea came from, but you mentioned Moo Moo Farms. Like, I don't know what this is a reference to, but there's always a cow level in every yeah, Mario Kart true. game. <laughs> it's it's like Animal Crossing made sense when they did that, but now it's like – but what does all of these other ones mean? I'm trying to remember. Was there a cow yeah. level in Mario Land or something that I'm that I'm trying to that I'm trying to remember? But there's always, of course, a Rainbow Road and a, and a Bowser. We didn't even say Bowser's Castle too, which are all really yeah, great. Yeah. I try to think. I think my favorite Bowser Castle level, if I had to pick, is the N64 one. Um, yeah. The one on GameCube just frustrates me to no end. But anyway, great topic. Love to talk about Mario Kart. Can't wait to talk about more Mario Kart games in the future. But we still have one more Patreon topic to go through today, and that one is from Cube Dude. Cube Dude wants to know. As you know, the GameCube's got lots of great games based on licensed properties, some good, some bad, and some just plain awful. Believe me, we know. If you could take any existing media property or IP that didn't get a game on the GameCube and give it one, which would you choose and what kind of game would you make it into? For the sake of this question, it also didn't have to exist or be popular back in the early 2000s. Thanks. That's, that's a big that's a question lot. for me. Yeah, that, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, like, that is a huge amount of anything that could be yep. <laughs> on the GameCube. So it'll be, uh, I'd have to narrow it down. But uh, Neil, why don't you go first? What do you What do you have for us? Yeah, I got seven media properties. Oh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of ideas here, Mike. But all of them did exist in the early 2000s. Uh, pretty sure most of them late 90s, early 2000s. But my first one has to go to Mars Attacks. Oh, yes. I love the movie <laughs> Mars Attacks. There's actually a guy at my work who has a Mars Attacks tattoo. Mike, you'll love this one. But it's not the alien from Mars Attacks. It's Marge from The Simpsons. Oh. Um, she's been turned into an alien, so her hair looks like a brain and everything. And he's like, yeah, it's Marge Attacks. And I was like, that's – I can't believe you got a tattoo of that, but it's awesome. It's amazing. Um, but basically, I would want a Mars Attacks game – like destroy all humans is what I'm thinking with that. But that movie is just so good. It's an absolute classic. If you haven't seen Mars Attacks, check it out. Uh, that's my first one there. My second choice would be Crazy Bones, which never got a GameCube game, which is an absolute shame. Uh, they didn't sell enough <laughs> Did plastic it toys. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> it might have some iOS games out there now, but I was trying to think like what kind of game would Crazy Bones be? Because they're just like these little blocks. They don't have arms. They don't have legs. They don't have voices, really. So I was thinking maybe an RTS or like a turn-based RPG would be uh, mm. would be a good idea. Because that's okay. how you play the game is you throw the little pieces at each other and then you knock them over. So I assumed something turn-based or R- RTS would be the way to go. Uh, my third choice would be Alien, the 1979 classic Alien. And it would have to be survival horror based on Alien 1. I know that they have since done this with, uh, what was that Alien game called? Uh, Alien Isolation. Yes. Which came yeah. out uh, like 10 years ago now or something. Uh, but put me on a ship with one alien and a few guns, and I think it would be really cool. I would have loved something like that on GameCube. We didn't get any alien games there. I think there were some on PS2, 
maybe Xbox. So that franchise was definitely missing, especially with the popularity of Alien vs. Predator back in the early 2000s. My next choice is Starship Troopers which is a terrific film based yes. on a novel, I believe. You saw that movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great, yeah, yeah I love that. Incredibly violent uh, movie. I think it could have been a really incredibly violent video game too. Make it like an action first-person shooter like Halo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, make me a Marine, put me on a planet, and then have everyone get chopped in half by these aliens that look like giant scissors. Uh, I think that could have been really, <laughs> really fun. My next choice, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I've always wanted a Nightmare Before Christmas game on GameCube, and even a more current-gen Nightmare Before Christmas game would be really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was one on Xbox, uh, Oogie Boogie's Revenge, I think it was called. It was also put out on Game Boy Advance, which is a bit more of like a Castlevania game. I played that one. I beat it. It's fun, but uh, I would have loved a... You know, an action-adventure Nightmare Before Christmas game set in Halloween Town. Give me Christmas Town. Give me all of the characters coming back. Give me Catherine O'Hara as Sally. I think that would have been really, really neat. Uh, Another one. Two more to go, Mike. Then it's your turn. I have Goosebumps, and I want it to be a choose-your-own-adventure game like Until Dawn. I miss Goosebumps. Yeah. Oh, me too. Like every every so often, you'll see a Goosebumps book like at a, a Goodwill or a Value Village, and it's like, man, this was so cool. Goosebumps. So I would have loved a game based on it on GameCube. Goosebumps Until Dawn I would buy with like in a heartbeat. Like that would be so cool. And 10-year-old Mike would die at that. Oh yeah. Like I think that there were Goosebumps PC games, but I think they were mostly point-and-click adventure games if I had to guess. I never played them. Yeah. My final choice of the day has to go to Recess, the classic Family Channel show. And this is of course a sports collection game. Uh, Basically like backyard hockey and the backyard sports games, Mike. But you're playing... Like the schoolyard sports. So you'd be playing dodgeball, you'd be playing kickball, you'd be playing foursquare. Maybe there's some real sports in there too, like basketball and soccer. But I absolutely love Recess and uh, didn't get a lot of video games. And uh, we have one or two backyard sports games on the GameCube. So I think we could have used something similar to it. And uh, Recess is the perfect franchise to give it to. I think they could have done something like that with like kind of Bully. I always thought Bully and Recess would have been a good mix too. But have to make it a little bit more G-rated since this is, of course, a Disney franchise. So a Recess sports mix game would be my last choice. But what about you, Mike? What are some franchises you've got to throw out there today? Recess sports game is a great one. I wish I thought of that. That's a good good (laughs) job for that. Maybe maybe I can make a Weekenders one as well. That would be like... Sure. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that would be DLC. Oh, that could be like a Cookie Mama kind of thing, like the pizza place, and you're always yeah. like, ah, okay, okay. Oh, my God. Yes, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> so there we go. That's one. Uh, I, ha- I have I have others, though. Uh, uh, okay. uh, Midnight Club is just a racing game that I love, that I'm so upset was not on GameCube. It was on PS2 and Xbox, but it was, or maybe it wasn't on Xbox. It was on at least PS2, and I was, was really upset that it never got to GameCube because it's just a ridiculous perfect mix of need for speed and burnout and mm-hmm. i love both those games and we never got the 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 perfect child of them which is midnight club dub edition so uh i would love that on the gamecube so just that franchise nothing nothing fancy with it but one thing that i would love to have that we don't really have anywhere you know is an iron man game oh okay i've always wanted an iron man game uh but we've never really gotten it and i think they could have done some really cool stuff with iron man uh oh. And they they did put out an Iron Man game based on the movie. I think they did Iron Man 1 and 2 on, like, Wii and PS3 and Xbox 360. They weren't good. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> sure, um, yeah. And this is based on the Robert Downey Jr. films. And I think recently they did put out an Iron Man VR game, but... 
Nothing on GameCube, that's for sure. Nothing on GameCube, yeah. I think it would be cool to have a Spider-Man 2-style Iron Man game oh on God. the GameCube. I think that would be really, really neat. And you could... Yep. There's just a lot of stuff you can do with Iron Man. And that's why Iron Man worked really well, because he's not really in a box. Like, you can kind of just decide whatever you want for that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that would be cool to have on GameCube. A Jurassic Park game would <sighs> also be really amazing. Of course... We talked about how the late 90s, early 2000s was the time for the dinosaur. Uh, mm-hmm. We had so much dinosaur <laughs> stuff going on. And I think Jurassic Park just would have worked really well. And I think of it like maybe like a better Dinotopia is what you could have had Jurassic Park as. Like Dinotopia, of course, was a game that we talked about a while back uh, for some of the action-adventure platformer games. And mm-hmm. it just didn't do things great. And I think a Jurassic Park licensed or license would help that out a lot. Uh, I, I also want to just be able to drive in the Jeeps and stuff and see dinosaurs. Yes. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. Original trilogy Star Wars. Uh, I would like to see that on the GameCube. Now, I know, Neil, we do have the Lego Star Wars original trilogy. Uh, that right. is and we do GameCube. have the Rogue Squadron games, which are close. Yes. But what I'm thinking is I want a, like a Hogwarts legacy slash like, uh, uh, well, I guess closer to like Lord of the Rings Third Age. I okay. want that kind of Star Wars. And I was thinking of this when I saw you playing Star Wars Battlegrounds uh, at the cottage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, you know what? Like, we need more of these kind of style Star Wars games where it's just taking a genre that already exists. Like, it's basically mm-hmm. taking Age of Empires. It's like mm-hmm. the same game. And yep. you just use a Star Wars skin on it. And it's amazing. And that's why Third Age works really, really well is because it's basically like a Final Fantasy team game. Uh, and they make it into a really fun game because it's all the Lord of the Rings lore and everything behind it. You don't have to learn a whole new story. And I think that's what would make original Star Wars trilogy uh, really cool on the GameCube. Would you want your Star Wars trilogy game to be a turn-based RPG like the Third Age, or would you prefer it to be something more like a... Like an action adventure game, more like the because um, we talked about the bounty hunter game yeah. versus something more like Kotor. Yeah, I, I think maybe so like meet in the middle kind of thing, you know. But uh, okay. I don't know, I don't know what my parameters are for this question <laughs> in terms of like what technology the GameCube has, yeah, uh, and, and everything. But uh, yeah, it's something like the Third Age. We can just say Star Wars Third Age um, okay. would be really cool. And Great. my last one would be Undertale. I know Undertale mm. did not exist back then, but I would love to have Undertale on the GameCube. It's uh, Graphically, you could definitely support it, and yep. would be a lot of fun to have played this as a kid, for sure. Yeah, Undertale is a great game that probably could run on GameCube, I'm assuming uh, it would. It's not a very taxing game, and it's it's a cult classic at this point. But yeah, like you said, it did not exist back in the day, but I, I think that it could have worked. We didn't have... We haven't had anything like Undertale since Undertale, so yeah. it's no surprise that it's uh, it's so original. It's similar to Earthbound, which I always thought mm-hmm. was kind of funny that Nintendo don't seem to want to go back to that franchise, so might as well... <laughs> let's go back in time and put Undertale on one of these mini-discs someday. That's a exactly. great choice. Man, now I'm just thinking about uh, Iron Man set in the Ultimate Spider-Man art style. I wish that I wish that, that right. Ultimate Spider-Man idea just continued, and they did they did Iron Man, they did they did the Hulk, they did X-Men, they did the Fantastic like they did all these Marvel characters, like all the pre-Disney Marvel characters would have been would have been so damn cool. But here we are. Here we are, Neil, and I think that's about it for our intro for this episode. It has gone a long time with these three Patreon topics, but we do really appreciate everyone writing in to us on Patreon and uh, being a supporter over there. We really appreciate it, and yeah, keep giving us uh, new fun questions to answer. We love doing it. 
Yeah, we absolutely do. And we're going into September next week, so we're looking forward to those topics. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 108 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 475 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. And Donkey Kong, he is, you know, he's got big hands, but he uh, he can still type. Yeah, he, he's good at the whole, whole 9 to 5 programming thing, right? He knows he knows good code. Mm-hmm. He can do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on. For the last three weeks, we have been on vacation, but we put out three side mission episodes, two of which were interview-style episodes where we interviewed each other. And the third episode, we tried to see what kind of GameCube game haul we could buy on eBay for under 100 US dollars. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. It was a great time. Nice to take some time off, but it's time to get back to business. This week, we're talking about the closest thing to a mainline Donkey Kong game we had on the GameCube, a series that had its start back in 1981 in the arcades and hit it big again in 1994 on the SNES with Donkey Kong Country. We're, of course, talking about the hit GameCube bongo peripheral masterpiece, (laughs) Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. But before we jump into the game, Mike, let's talk a little bit about the Donkey Kong series, our memories of the series, and just, you know, some of our favorite facts about Nintendo's big old ape. Mm -hmm. Mike, what are your first experiences with the Donkey Kong series? Oh, my first experiences with Donkey Kong, honestly, probably in Smash Bros. uh, N64 Mm. was probably the first time I really experienced him. You know, I didn't have a SNES growing up or was really exposed to one very much. Uh, and didn't have an N64 either, but I did play Smash N64 a lot at friends' houses, and I also would experience him in Mario Party. I always, you know, I always think of him mm. in the the early Mario Parties. He wasn't a character, right? He was like a uh, he had his own space. He was like Bowser. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was like the good Bowser. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he'd always give you some fun stuff. So that's kind of what I associated him with when I was when I was much younger, mm. and it wasn't until. Quite a bit later that I kind of discovered Donkey Kong in other ways. Uh, I had a friend who was really, really good at the Donkey Kong SNES games, all the the countries. I think it was Donkey Kong Country 2 that he could speedrun in like an an hour. That was his his thing. (laughs) Uh, I remember him doing that. And, uh, And that was the first time I saw Donkey Kong really as a platformer in that sense, because I guess I knew Donkey Kong from... Mario Party and Smash, but I also knew Donkey Kong in the context of what he used to be to Mario. You know, I mm-hmm. I know him as the the guy throwing barrels. Uh, you, right. That would just be referenced in so many things too. So uh, everyone kind of knew that from the '80s. And when I first saw him uh, in the jungle, going through uh, going through all these uh, these levels, and with uh, with Diddy Kong and Dixie Kong and the whole fam, uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> and then I do also remember the TV show. Uh, oh yeah, the, 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 the I'm not sure like when that exactly was. I think that was maybe late '90s. Uh, but I, I time time is a construct, so I have no idea. But right. uh, I do remember seeing that and being like, like "Wow, this is interesting." <laughs> 1996 was the Donkey Kong Country TV show. Yep. TV show. It's uh, categorized as comedy, and it had two seasons. Uh, yep, yeah, that, and that checks out. Yeah, and yep. everyone's voice in that was really weird. That's what threw me off as a kid. But I think it played. Uh, obviously, I wasn't I wasn't old enough to see it when it came out at first, but I guess it played reruns and syndication uh, in like the early two thousands, and I remember seeing it and being like, "What is this?" <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, Donkey Kong never really was a big thing for me. I didn't really play the countries. I didn't play Donkey Kong sixty four, and uh, like like we know, Neil, it was that was all rare who was doing all that, and then. Yep. 
Rare goes away, goes to Microsoft. We lose Donkey Kong Racing, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the, yeah. which was going to be the sequel to Diddy Kong Racing. And then Nintendo does or makes Donkey Kong the rhythm guy. And then eventually, you know, only puts out like one or two games after that for him. There was the... Oh, you know what? Uh, I did play the Mario Mario versus Donkey Kong. That was on mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance. Yep, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep, yep. Came uh, out around just... the same time as this game too. I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was just a random memory, and I just remember that <laughs> that I actually played that game. Um, so that was cool. That was more of a traditional Donkey Kong style, but uh, yeah, Nintendo. I I consider this and Star Fox as Nintendo's biggest neglected mainline franchises. Yeah, I would I would like to agree with that too. My my history with Donkey Kong, like you, goes back to the the games that he is not the star in. Uh, it's mostly Mario Kart. Uh, and Mario, yeah, Kong. Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart being the big one. That was really my first uh, experience. Mario Kart sixty four, uh, finding Donkey Kong, knowing that he is a big Nintendo character, but not really knowing why, mm-hmm. uh, like not knowing what context he plays in. Like, is it a two D platformer? Is it like a Mario puzzle game? Because it had been. Like, for us, we don't really know Donkey Kong as a villain. But like you said, Mike, in the 1980s arcade games, he's the bad guy. Yeah. It would be really neat if Nintendo made a Mario game again where Donkey Kong is the bad guy. Like, give Bowser a break and let's go back to Donkey Kong not being the... He's not an anti-hero, is he? Like, I don't know what to even describe him as. He's... <laughs> yeah, I guess he's he could like be an anti-hero. Almost, you know? He, he like, could be an anti-hero, yeah. Well, because I feel like an anti- anti-hero is... Oh, uh, yeah, I guess it's like just someone who does their <laughs> own thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's call Donkey Kong Nintendo's anti-hero. He's only doing things for his own self-interest yeah. in uh, protecting his island and collecting as many bananas as humanly possible. But yeah, uh, Mario Party, Mario Kart were my first uh, introductions to the character. Eventually, when my sister and I got our Game Boy Advances in the early 2000s, I got mine with F-Zero Maximum Velocity, and my sister got hers with Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Color, which uh, was a funny game for my parents <laughs> to get for her Game Boy Advance. But nonetheless, that is how I experienced Donkey Kong Country for the first time, and we played that game almost as much as we played anything else on our Game Boy Advance is that it's a really good port. It doesn't age particularly well playing a, you know, precision plot 2D platformer on a Game Boy Advance with no backlight. Uh, not the best experience, but the music was all really good. The The art style was really great. It didn't have that same art style that the SNES had, but it was really close. Uh, eventually, years later, I would pick up all three SNES games from a value village, which is like a thrift store near us. I got all three games from there. It might have been 2015 or... I remember doing it on my way to going to go see Captain America Civil War. <laughs> so whenever that came out, or no, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Oh, true. So whenever that, whenever that came out, I went to Value Village and I got all three Donkey Kong games for $8 each. Wow. Yeah, you can't that's do that crazy. anymore. I knew I was getting away with a steal then too, but uh, that's when I got those games and played them all. Those three, that trilogy is just amazing. Hmm. So really didn't play the main... The main Donkey Kong Country games until way later. I was in my early 20s. And then went back and tried to play some of the old NES Donkey Kong games. Not my favorite game, but I can see why people like them. And then playing Donkey Kong 64 on the N64 in college as well. And not loving that game as much as other people do. I understand that it is an amazing game uh, with respects to its story and how big it is. But I just could not stand the the gameplay of going back and doing the same levels over and over again to collect things. Loving Lanky Kong, though. Lanky Kong being the star of the show. I love the Kong family. I'm a huge fan yeah. of the Kong family and like the Same. the minor characters like the rhino and like the alligator and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I love I love them. 
Oh, yeah, the characters that Rare developed for the Donkey yeah. Kong series cannot be understated at all. It's too bad that Nintendo did away with them, for the most part, in Jungle Beat, which we're going to talk about soon. But I would eventually also go back and play the Wii game, Donkey Kong Country Returns, on 3DS, which is a really good game. And then Tropical Freeze being one of my favorite uh, Wii U games. And since then, we've kind of been on a Donkey Kong hiatus. Like you said, Mike, There's mm-hmm. uh, it's one of Nintendo's biggest uh, neglected franchises, which is too bad for somebody like me, who I love challenging 2D platforming games. And Donkey Kong is my favorite 2D platforming Nintendo game. I like those ones better than the 2D Mario games, I think. Even yeah. though, su- other than Super Mario World, I think I like the Donkey Kong games better. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's my memory of uh, playing Donkey Kong games. And... Let's talk a little bit about the history of the series. Uh, created by Shigeru Miyamoto in 1981 as an arcade game, Donkey Kong, uh, the sales of the cabinet continued into 1982 and made Nintendo $280 million wow. from U.S. cabinet sales alone, which uh, in 2021, that amounts to $830 million for Donkey Kong. Oof. Big big money for DK. Big DK money. You can buy a lot of bananas for $830 million, that's for sure. But total revenue of the franchise to date is about $4.97 billion. That's from video games. And uh, actually, most of that is uh, most of that is from video games. Of the 4.97, 4.96 is video games. The rest is merchandise. Wow. <laughs> that's an incredible pie chart there. But Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't see too much Donkey Kong merchandise. He never really took off as, like, a merchandisable character. I mean, of course you see Donkey Kong stuffies and stuff, but it's not like a SpongeBob level, for sure. At most, you might see, like, Donkey Kong mugs or T-shirts. Other than that, I can't think of many other things. Mm -hmm. Maybe those ties. Some people buy the tie if you need a Halloween costume, but... Uh, nonetheless, there are 16 Donkey Kong games, plus several spin-offs and appearances in almost every other Mario Kart, yeah. Mario Sports, Mario Party game. Uh, there's probably like 40 Donkey Kong games if you get right down to it, but we're not counting Donkey Kong Jr. math or anything. <laughs> if you include all of those spin-offs and ports, there's actually 54 Donkey Kong games, the majority of them actually being Game & Watch games, uh, mm. eight of them being Game & Watch games, but five arcade games, five NES games, uh, six Game Boy Advance games, five DS games. So that would be in the, that 2D game, Mike, that you played, the Donkey Kong versus Mario. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were actually pretty big in the early 2000s, but I haven't played any of those. I should, uh, I should fine. pick them up. Yeah, yeah I, should, I should definitely pick them up at some point. But uh, sales from the franchise, uh, none of them are crazy high sellers. The biggest one being Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii at $6.5 million. Uh, but for the most part, they all range between $1 million and $3 million, which is not bad by any stretch of the word. But uh, overall, the mainline games have sold 57.5 million copies. Again, not counting the spinoffs and the Game & Watch games, which those sales are hard to track. Yeah. But 57.5 million copies since 1981, uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. We, of course, we got Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. The whole Donkey Kong Jr. thing also is kind of... Crazy with his family, but <laughs> the timeline of Donkey Kong himself is yeah. uh, very mixed. There's actually a good video about it that that explains it. But but anyways, uh, Donkey Kong Three comes out after Donkey Kong Classics, Donkey Kong for the Game Boy, Donkey Kong Country, of course, uh, Donkey Kong Land, Donkey Kong Country Two, Donkey Kong Land Two, Donkey mm-hmm. Kong Country Three, Donkey Kong Land Three. Uh, and then we have kind of going to the modern times here, Donkey Kong Sixty Four, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. Uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns and Country Returns 3D, and then uh, Tropical Freeze and the deluxe version, funky edition of uh, mm-hmm. Tropical Freeze for the Switch. And that's it. I mean, there's, of course, the the, the Donkey Kongas that we talked about uh, about 10 episodes ago. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, these we are not kind of putting in here, of course. But uh, yeah, Donkey Kong, um, 
an interesting guy, and uh, he's he's lived and died in a lot of different consoles, and it'll be interesting to see his future. It will. But we're going to talk about his past a little bit today, Mike, with Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. Shall we jump into the stats of this game before we bring on some of our callers? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. All right. Donkey Kong Jungle Beat was released on March 14th, 2005, Pi Day, developed by Nintendo EAD Tokyo, published by Nintendo. It's also on the Wii, and eventually the Wii U as well, but we don't really count that. Priced today at around $35, uh, about $120 if you want the complete set with the bongos. This is a rhythm game slash platformer, and the standout uh, sales point of this game is that it came with the Donkey Kong bongos, which which we talked about, like Mike said, about 10 weeks ago on our Donkey Konga episode. And the game is entirely played with the bongo drums, which was an interesting choice, to say the least. (laughs) Uh, You could play the game with a controller, a GameCube controller, if you choose to do so, but the bongos are actually the the primary way to play it. Mike, did you play this game back in the day? I don't know if we ever had this one as kids. No, I did not play. I did not play it until a couple of weeks ago, Neil, when we uh, mm. <laughs> you brought it to the cottage that we were at and um, we got to play. I got to, to experience it firsthand. Uh, and yeah, mm. I never really knew about this game. I, and I'm sure a lot of people thought that this was a, another Donkey Konga game, that this was just another rhythm game to play. Uh, also with its name, Jungle Beat, very confusing marketing as well. And it came out between the Congas. Conga 1 comes out in September 2004. And then Conga 2 comes out in May 2005. And this comes out March 2005. So uh, really, Nintendo oversaturated the the Conga market, the rhythm (laughs) market, so to speak, at this point, which was just really strange to me considering that they probably knew that the Wii was right around the corner, and mm-hmm. Jungle Beat definitely feels like a Wii game more than a GameCube game. I'm not sure if you get that vibe as well, but uh, yep. it definitely was um, kind of showing their cards early, I would say. Definitely. It's it's one of the weirdest games on the GameCube, though, and it's yeah, one of those yeah. games. Like, I have the box, the boxed uh, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat with the bongos and the game, so that's it's just a cool novelty item. Uh, it's yeah. not exactly... It's, a very, it's probably the most gimmicky game on the console, to say the least. And you're right, Mike. There was definitely probably some confusion that this was just the third Donkey Konga game in, yeah. the, in, the, in the franchise. But they could have fixed that by just adding Donkey Kong Country Jungle Beat. That would have made it mm. probably way less confusing because Donkey Kong Country at this point was so tied to everyone's minds as being, oh, it's the 2D platforming Donkey Kong game. Mm-hmm. But perhaps they couldn't use that name because of the rare problem, but they eventually went back to Donkey Kong Country Returns, so it's a whole thing. But this was the first uh, Donkey Kong game that we had had since 1999, so a wow. six-year gap, which uh, is not too bad when you think about it now. It's been eight years since we had the Tropical Freeze, not counting <laughs> the Switch version. Uh, Nintendo lost Rare to Microsoft in 2002, so they needed to come up with something to do in the 2000s with the GameCube, so they wanted to make a game that was easier for people to understand which is really interesting i was i was uh, reading a lot about nintendo ead tokyo uh, mm-hmm. and their story about developing this game this is actually their very first game uh, they would eventually go on to make mario kart ds and more notably mario galaxy which you can kind of see some mario galaxy oh, yeah. tones in, in this game too especially in some of the later levels where you're kind of platforming or swimming through floating cubes of goo which is really strange, but the studio also made Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on 3DS, just a lot of good Nintendo games, uh, to say the least. But the game director of the game, Yoshiaki Koizumi, uh, had been working on previous projects and had been hearing from many people that controlling characters in modern games was becoming challenging, and he wanted to create a game with a control scheme that did not rely on the traditional gamepad, uh, which is where the uh, inspiration for using the bongos to, to maneuver the character around on screen came from. 
and uh, they were prioritizing a game that had simple controls, controls that were easy to uh, easy to learn, uh, and uh, said that contemporary video games took a considerable amount of time to complete, and gamers were losing appeal if uh, if a game took too long and they would just stop playing. Hmm. So Jungle Beat's initial design was to uh, create levels that took five to ten minutes to complete uh, with no shortcuts, and felt like that game type of game would appeal to a busy person who only had a few minutes a day <laughs> for gaming, which I, I like that. I like the approach. I yeah. appreciate where they're coming from, especially I'm in that category now, but this was not the way to do it. Yeah, it's. I think this game is, and it's interesting because uh, I was reading a lot of reviews at the time, and it mostly gets, like you said, eight out of tens. It's. It's. It was very well reviewed when it first came out, and mm-hmm. this I can see it being so well reviewed in two thousand five. This is a really new system of gaming. Uh, again, we hadn't come out yet. We didn't have motion controls for things. We just had the Donkey Konga come out a couple of months before, but that's different. It's a rhythm game. There's lots of rhythm games out there. This is basically. Mm-hmm a rhythm game that is its own platform, like its own real game in that sense. And it's pretty crazy that this was even uh, created. But, you know, the GameCube era, this is uh, this is the time for risks. And I'm, I appreciate Nintendo creating this. And I think it definitely deserves that 8 out of 10 rating then in 2005. It just hasn't aged the same way today for a no. lot of different reasons. But uh, before I get into those reasons, Neil, uh, let's bring on our first guest of the show to kind of talk about their memories, and maybe we'll talk about those reasons as well. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea, Mike. Let's bring on our first caller. Who's joining us today? That's right, Neil. Our first guest of the show today is friend of the show, Kira. We, of course, had her on last time for the Donkey Konga episode. And while we are not talking about Donkey Konga, we're talking about something pretty close, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. So, Kira, before we get into that game, our first question to you is, who is your favorite member of the Donkey Kong family, the extended family? Well, I'm happy to be back, and especially when it starts off with such a good question like that. (laughs) You know, back in the day, I thought it was going to be Dixie because I liked that mm. she also had um, too much blonde hair. Like it wasn't it wasn't just enough. Like she had too much <laughs> hair. And I also as a child had too much blonde hair. So I wanted to find her relatable. She was way cooler than me. So I couldn't relate to her. And it ended up it was Diddy all the way. And mm, so yeah. much so that we had some family friends and the older brother was Donkey, and the younger brother was Diddy in uh, in our family. We literally called them that in public too. Oh my god! It was it was something. So I'm gonna go with Diddy Kong, gentlemen. Very nice. It's weird that we haven't had a new Kong family member in quite some time. I know that we've uh, Funky Kongs had a uh, had some time to shine in the last few years, but I don't know what's going on with the Kong family if they've developed some kind of monkey birth control or whatever. But it, <laughs> there's there's been no new in- entries in the family. I wonder what they're doing over there, over on Kong Island. I mean, I, I think it might be a little soon to bring up the whole monkeypox thing, but that could be a factor. <laughs> Maybe they were heavily... Oh, that man, that, that's going to get too dark, the, the next Donkey Kong game. It's going to be like The Last of Us, but uh, with Donkey Kong, because of the Kong pox thing, or the monkey pox thing. That'd be hilarious. The Kong pox? The yeah. Kong. <laughs> I'm going to trademark that. <laughs> but uh, yes, Kira, we of course brought you on to talk about Jungle Beats and uh, our first question i guess is what are your first memories of of this game my first memories of this game are probably how frustratingly hard it was like i went Mm -hmm. in with a background of dance dance revolution and you know pounding my bongos against losing my religion covers but (laughs) this game something about i guess the way that you needed to do the beats and the movements and also everything else going on it was really difficult 
Like, I, mm -hmm, I didn't mm -hmm. succeed at this game. Like, I've seen more in this game in speedruns throughout the past 10 years on YouTube than I ever would have made it on my own. So frustrating, but also really out there for a Donkey Kong game. Some of those levels were not what you would expect. No, like, N Nintendo was set out to try and make a game that was easier for players to jump in and play, too. So they were thinking, all right, people can people can clap, people can hit a drum. This should be the easiest platformer of all time. But, like, there are moments where I was playing this game, too, Kira, and, like, I was, like, trying to jump and then clap and then, like, hit the bongos. And I was like, I'm clapping, I'm clapping. And, like, I was not <laughs> grabbing onto the vines. Like, I kept falling. I had to go back again. And, like, it was just such a nightmare. And you're right. Like, I've seen way more in uh, speedruns and everything in this game than I ever did playing this game naturally because I just I just rage quit. And, like, I even tried to switch out. And, like, all right, I'm going to try this with a controller. Let's see if it's easier. It's not. Uh, the bongos, unfortunately, are the easiest way to play it. But just sometimes I just wish this game had regular controls to switch over to but sadly we don't okay to throw a yeah, question that... back at you guys did you ever mm -hmm. just start yelling clap instead of clapping because i know i do yep <laughs> yep that works yes. Yep. Yes. It yeah. sometimes it works better doesn't it and it's it's pretty bad when you live in an apartment building with you know see or hear through doors and you somebody's walking by and just clap 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 and you're just thumping and like an ape sound <laughs> no wonder my neighbors didn't look me in the eye yeah, well, that, right. that was that was like my first <laughs> thought of playing this game was I would hate this being a parent. My my kid would just be destroying these bongos because it's one thing to like drum along to a song like you said like losing my religion or something. That like that's whatever. That's just there's tons of rhythm games out there. It's a normal thing to do and you kind of just let it go. But like drumming along to a platformer where you're just constantly destroying that bongo and then clapping as well like the clapping is what would really get me just the constant clapping and then or yelling clap like we were playing it at a cottage a couple of weeks ago me and neil and and it, it was so aggressively loud like yep. <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't even hear what was going on in the actual game because the game's music like all donkey kong music is good but uh, the fact that I was constantly banging on a bongo a drum uh, the entire time kind of took me out of it a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing about this game. It's like, I have no idea if the music in this game is good. Like, I have no idea if the sound effects are good. All, all you can hear is the sound of... They're not plastic, the heads of the bongos. I don't know what material it is. You're hitting plastic buttons at some point. But, Mike, you said, like, you know, as a parent, you would hate this game. I, I hate this game as an adult and having my best friend of 21 years playing it. Like, you were playing it in front of me. And after a while, I was like, God, this is not fun to watch no. someone play. It is extremely annoying. Like, if I was a parent and had a kid playing this game, I think I'd back up the bongos with my car. Like, just <laughs> just destroy them because, like, I, I could not stand this uh, for, for too long. And I would be really interested to know how many people did beat the game because I think um, I think a lot of people must have dropped off after a certain amount of time playing it but like I'm trying to think back to the 2000s I don't remember seeing a lot of bongo sets in like Goodwills and in EB games as much as you saw like Guitar Hero guitars you know because they were all in yeah, microplay like they were just stacks of them <laughs> in microplay EB games probably would give you like a toonie for yeah, them. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point. Whereas Microplay would give you five bucks and maybe like a Mario sticker or like a terrifying <laughs> Twisted Metal 3 shirt with a clown that gives you nightmares. I mean, I'm not speaking from experience, but that... Microplay was where the bongos were. It sounds like you're speaking from experience. <laughs> nah, nah, that's just oddly specific. Total coincidence. Bongos at Microplay, but, you know, Microplay's gone now, so here we are. 
here we are. But Kira, did you play any of the other 2D Donkey Kong games back in the day, or is this your first experience with our with with Donkey Kong playing in in his jungle form? No, I I definitely started early on with like the Donkey Kong countries, like falling in love with the music and and getting absolutely obsessed with the other ones. So this one, I I think I went into it expecting. I expected to like it more than I would like any other one because of how mm-hmm. much I liked rhythm games and how much I really did like the Donkey Kong games. Um, I mean, not all of them looking at you, Donkey Kong 3, but um, <laughs> but like ultimately, just like you were saying before, the, the challenge level was a little higher. And the boss fights, even though you would think like literally beating a boss would be satisfying it wasn't the same as like when you got the timing perfect mm-hmm. and you launched off the buzzer and it was like you just you got that hit right it it yeah. was a different satisfaction mm-hmm. that i didn't think i wanted from that game i think i wanted more of the music like you're right mike like you didn't really hear the music so you were drumming but it wasn't the same which is a, a real shame because with donkey kong and like all his games beforehand the music is such a core part of the games like, it's really important to have the music be at the forefront. And, of course, it was so much a core part of the games that they literally made two rhythm games with it, like Donkey Kong's, uh, and made Donkey Kong their rhythm guy. And it was just such a strange thing for me. Like, I almost... like Part of me thinks that this game was supposed to be for the Wii, but they just decided to put it out because they, they weren't sure about it. And the other thing that goes with, along with that is the fact that Namco, so Namco, of course, developed the Donkey Konga games, one of the reasons why they are fantastic. Uh, Namco was working with Nintendo really closely at this time. They did the Pac-Man games as well that are quite well-reviewed on on uh, the GameCube. And uh, Namco didn't come back or didn't work on Jungle Beat. Uh, and like we said earlier in the episode, Jungle Beat came out between Donkey Konga 1 and Donkey Konga 2. So that means that Nintendo was working on Donkey Kong Jungle Beat while Donkey Konga 2 was being worked on by Namco. And I just think this is really weird, like that they didn't utilize Namco to just keep going with their stuff that they had already made. It's like, well, I'm like, do you guys want to try your hand at making like a cool platformer? Uh, I know you said, Neil, that, they, that Nintendo EAD Tokyo they did end up making uh, Super Mario Galaxy. The director, actually, for Super Mario Galaxy is the director for Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, and you can definitely see the influence there. But um, I don't know. It just was a strange move to me. Yeah, this was this was really their what do we do with Donkey Kong because Rare is out of the picture now. They're not, they can't make a, like a Donkey Kong Country 4. They want to make something new. So they really did throw out just about everything that made Donkey Kong Country great. Like they, none of these characters look anything like their counterparts from donkey kong country even like the health is different you don't really have a health bar in this game you have your beats which you don't want to run out that's kind of the whole point of this game is you're not really scared of of dying or passing out or anything you're more just scared of like you're you're more working towards getting a high score for each level and that's where the replayability comes from it's not so much a -a collect-a-thon as the classic donkey kong country games are this one's more like a you want to get the the gold banana at the end Mm -hmm. of the level you want to get that high score the the max number of beats without taking too much damage you want to knock out as many enemies as possible so i'm glad that they tried something different but it is like the black sheep of the of the Donkey Kong family of games, it almost reminds me of Star Fox Adventures, where like, yeah, this is a this is a good game, but it's not a it's not a terrific Donkey Kong game. Like, it's an in- interesting idea, but I would have liked at this point we've had we we've been about six years waiting for a, a good 
classic Donkey Kong game, and this is what we end up with. And the levels aren't even really the same design as Donkey Kong Country. They're very big. Like, looking at these levels, uh, they're very empty compared to how all the levels in Country were. It was very tight. There was way more... There was way more scale of like climbing vines and ladders and jumping over enemies to bounce higher. Like it didn't really feel like this was the case in this one. You're very small on screen and you have to launch yourself up by clapping and and banging on the bongo drums. It's really weird. Mike, you actually said this that this is more of an arcade game than a 2D platformer. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's what it feels like. Yeah, it feels like something that you play in like Palladium yeah. and. Uh, even to the point where you see Donkey Kong on the bottom left-hand side of the screen because he's so small on yeah. on the screen because the levels are so big. I don't know why they did that. I guess because you have to see where you're going, where you're heading, so you can kind of queue up what you're going to do with the drums. I'm assuming that's why they did it. But I really like the look of the Wii version of this game, actually, just talking about the, the Wii Play Controls version. They did make the game look way better by uh, zooming in a little bit more. You also, unfortunately, can't use the bongos with the Wii version, but... I think it's slightly more playable just based on that alone, but who knows? I have my GameCube version. I'm just gonna I'm going to stick with that for now. <laughs> the level design um, that's that's kind of an interesting point because when I was refreshing myself on levels I'd I'd never see in my lifetime alone, <laughs> um, I noticed a lot of things that reminded me of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yep. Yeah. Like there were yeah. there were things like the the pipes m- movement systems where you would get to a certain point and then go within a pipe, but you'd kind of see where on the pipe the character was. Yeah. And then popping out of a dragon mouth, like it, like like to your point, it really does seem like they were in an experimental Kong phase. Like, what do we want to do with mm-hmm. this guy? And they planted a bunch of seeds, and they were trying to see which ones sprouted. And I don't I don't know if this one was it. Like it was. It was a really good idea, but it was just too damn hard. <laughs> I think I keep coming back to that. Like I don't no, like when I feel beaten by a game, but but this time the, the bongos drummed me. And I think like the issue with because this is a rhythm based game in a sense, uh, hard game, hard rhythm games, which rhythm games usually are by their nature hard, and you basically work at it and you practice at it to get better. And you learn the rhythms, you learn the timing and everything. But that doesn't really apply to Jungle Beat. And I think that's why it adds another layer of frustration. Because if you're playing, like, even, like, DDR, for example, right? The first time you try and play DDR, you're just going to be all messed. You're just going to be, like, <laughs> like tripping over yourself. But you start to get better because you start to learn how to, like, actually use the rhythm. Like, use the, 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 the board to your advantage. But for this there isn't a rhythm base anymore you're just pounding the bongos <laughs> to go faster right. or, or jump higher or stuff so it's like you can't really learn by design that way you, you kind of just have to play it like a, a ton like like memorize it and spit it out and i i don't love that about jungle beat i i really wish that there was more of a rhythm music element that they really pushed on like yeah. that i was i'm gonna ask you this kira a, a question here and I'll answer it first for myself, but my question would be, how would you improve this game? For me, I would improve this game by having a little, like, DK track or different, like, DK songs that are going on the bottom of the screen that you're trying to drum to, that you're trying to hit those notes at, instead of just constantly pounding on on the Congos. But yeah, what, I want to hear your thoughts on, on how you would improve the game. First of all, I love your idea because everyone loves a progress bar. And what you're describing is the real-time progress bar. That's right. So, yes, (laughs) your idea plus different modes that could make it a little crazier drumming if that's what you were into, or Mm -hmm. more of like a beats mode. So instead of just having it be like the mad dash, 
let's say this beats mode is just you get the progress bar. You know, there, it's not as hectic, so you can really kind of listen to the music and drum along. So it's almost like using the same game, but slowing it down a little bit. Like, not making it easier or anything, but like putting it in a way that you'd be able to appreciate the other pieces of it, along mm. with the really, really drummy mode. Because two modes in a game, that's not that's not breaking new ground. Yeah, yeah. So you can have the Zen mode, right. or you can have the <laughs> beat the boss mode. Yeah, I like Zen mode. I, I like I, I I like Mike's idea there of like having you drumming along to a song because honestly, when I bought this game six or seven years ago now, that's what I thought this was. I thought it was like a drum along to the beat. Did you guys ever hear of the indie game called Thumper? It came out around the same time that Switch came out. No, no, it's. It's it's basically what you're describing, where you're like this beetle on a track, and you there's no bongos. You're just hitting the buttons on your controller, but you hit the buttons at the certain time to the drum beat, and that's how you progress. And if you mess up enough times, then you have to start again. And that is the ideal way to, to play this game, because Kira, like you said, this is a really hard game. It's really not. Like, if you look at the level design, these are actually very easy platforming levels. It's really the controller that's beating you, yes. which is bad if if you can't play a game because the controller sucks then that's a problem like i when i was playing this i was like man if i could just switch out and be able to hit a and a joystick i would be done this game in 20 minutes but because i have to hit left bongo to move left right bongo to move right both bongos to jump and if i hit them both at the wrong times then i don't jump and i have to clap to like swing on this vine i can't i can't do this so like that is the hard part and Kudos to people on YouTube who, you know, beat this game in two hours because it's <laughs> good on them. But, like, for me, like, I, I don't want to have to have to do this. But I do have to give a shout-out to Nintendo because they did make a pretty decent peripheral. Like, they, these yeah. bongos do feel like they can take a beating uh, in this game. And they don't feel like they're going to crack. They feel like you can drop them and you'll be okay. Um, so they did make a pretty quality piece of tech to go along with the game. But at the end of the day, it is extremely gimmicky. And the game itself is fairly empty despite it being having 16 kingdoms each kingdom featuring three levels two of those levels being your uh platforming levels where you're going to hit yourself in the head with your bongos trying to get through them uh they each end with a boss fight which is cool to think that you have 16 boss fights in a game but there's only four types of bosses in the game which is too bad you've got a punch out style arena which mike you played which is actually pretty fun i like that one that's a good one You've got another one where uh, you have to throw bombs uh, at uh, basically like elephants. You've got warthogs that need to be defeated by throwing coconuts at them. And then you have birds that are defeated by destroying the giant egg that you're carrying. Uh, but you just do that four times each. And then you have your final boss at the end, and that's pretty much it. Uh, that's the thing I love about uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns and Tropical Freeze are the boss fights. But this one just feels like it's, it's, it's too repetitive, unfortunately. I need to go back to the technology for a second and Thumper because I totally know that game. Except, yeah. do you know how I have played it? I have Ooh. played it on the Oculus 2. I was going to say there's a VR version of it, which is the way it, I think it's way you're supposed to play it. It's almost like Beat Saber, but a rhythm or Beat Saber is a rhythm game. So it's basically Beat Saber mixed with a on rails racing game kind of thing. Yes. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah. if they if they took that framework and put our good family of Kongs in there. <laughs> I think when Nintendo breaches the VR space, we could see the Jungle Beat come back in the way that we want. I mean, it's going to be awful when we clap with controllers and smash them <laughs> together. But other than that, we're going to have a Donkey Kong VR game one day, you guys. I honestly could see that. Like, surprisingly, I could see 
I could see Nintendo using Donkey Kong in VR just because I don't know who else they would use. And, and he would actually work there. But um, yeah, it, it, I'm curious what the future of Jungle Beat will hold. But, but, but before I talk about that, I, we, we've been kind of poo-pooing on this game a little bit. Uh, what what are some pros that you can think of, Kira? For me, the first thing that comes to mind is just the design in general. Everything looks really good. Like, I really like the design of the uh, of the, the, the four bosses, the, the D, K, J, and B uh, barrel bosses. Uh, but for you, yeah, what, what are some pros? I really like that they tried something different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, even though we're saying, you know, it's the experimental Kong phase, it they really did go out of the box and they said we're going to try something that it's kind of like games that you know but it's kind of not and they really tried to make it fun they yeah. had a lot going on it was a lot of work that went into it and even though as you're saying you know we're kind of gently teasing it i mean it wasn't a game that people called buggy or bad it was just you know it was hard it was you know or, or it was hard to find maybe <laughs> but they really, they, they went outside of the box, and sometimes, especially in the in the times when the consoles were doing that changeover, the experimentation almost felt like it was within boxes sometimes, and this kind of, they really did something different, and we got to see our, our familiar faces doing something different. So even though the bongo games were very difficult, they will always have a place in my heart for just being themselves, you know? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Like it's, and we talked about this a thousand times on this podcast already, but GameCube era, this was the time for risks, right? And just throwing whatever you could at the wall and seeing what sticks. I think it just the timing of this is really what hurt it the most. Like, I don't know about your career, but like, did, were you confused by the title of this game at all? Like when it, when it came out? I'm going to be honest, I think I thought it was still the first game and that I had just misread the title at some point. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's Donkey Konga, but it's Jungle Beat. And then I thought it yeah. was, like, Neil, you were saying that it was just another rhythm game, maybe with more jungle tunes. I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but I think, yes, ultimately I was a little confused, because even though they were pretty clear that it had Donkey Kong, a jungle, and beats, it's not one that I remember seeing a lot about. Like, I remember yeah. seeing commercials for the rhythm ones, like the, yes. the, the Donkey Kong guys, mm-hmm. I think in Archie comics even. But this one sort of... <laughs> It went under the radar a little bit. Maybe it was just too much going on. But yeah, it, it was a little like, what it, what am I getting into? Yeah, you see, I, I can see like this being like the meme of like a kid who has Donkey Konga asking his parents for Donkey Kong Jungle Beat and them saying, we have Donkey Konga at home, <laughs> thinking that, you know, this is the game, like that the kids are just asking for another Donkey Konga game where they're asking for a game that's completely different. And I was saying to Mike, Kira, before you came on that, um, they probably would have done themselves a huge service by adding Donkey Kong Country Jungle Beat to it because then you have that separation where, okay, this is Donkey Kong going back to his uh, his jungle uh, theme as opposed to him being in, in the studio dropping those hot beats. <laughs> you, you, no, uh, you missed your pun back. there. You Going back to his roots with all the trees? Uh, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, some, some a plant joke. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Um, but yeah, they could have done themselves a huge favor by titling this, this game slightly differently and putting it just on Wii. Like, yeah. this would have been perfect for the Wii. Uh, I we've said it time and time again they did eventually do that but it was without the bongos I think that this would have been a really cool Christmas gift to have given your kid or whoever who just got their Wii in 2006 uh, put it out late 2006 2007 on Wii maybe it's a crossover title for the GameCube as well if you want to but like we, we found the stat that or I found the stat on VG sales charts that this game sold 1.3 million units I don't think that's right uh, that feels off to me I would have put it at 
half a million, 700,000 units, maybe, uh, just based on the fact that we haven't, I, I rarely see this game. I rarely see the, I see the game. I don't see the bongos very often. So I don't know how many copies of the, the physical DK bongos were ever sold. That would be an interesting thing to know. But yeah, Mike, you asked a question earlier about uh, favorite parts about the game, which I really want to, uh, I want to touch on. And that is uh, a marketing campaign for the North American release of the game. Mm. Nintendo decided to send 20 individuals dressed up as apes to participate in the 20th Los Angeles Marathon, which took place on March 6, 2005. And those individuals wore, on top of their ape suit, they had a Jungle Beat branded t-shirt while carrying DK bongos and chanted the game's title as they ran. That can't be real. This is a real thing that happened. And uh, there's a picture of it on our Instagram account that went up on Monday in case anybody was wondering what that was all about. But this was a glorious marketing campaign idea by whoever decided to do that. And we talk a lot about uh, finding Nintendo branded clothing from back in the day. So somewhere out there, there are 20 DK Jungle Beat t-shirts that were worn in the LA Marathon of 2006. 2005, (laughs) sorry. I would love, I would have loved to have been... Uh, one of the people running there. Just, I just imagine jungle beat, jungle beat, jungle beat. But did they did they do it for the entire forty two kilometers? Do you think? <laughs> I I would be I would be jungle very impressed beat. if they did that the entire time. But I mean, why did they pick a leg activity though? Why wouldn't they pick an arm activity? Good point. Yeah, there aren't many arm activities that the general public do. A marathon makes sense, but maybe go to like a baseball game or something. Like go to a Seattle Mariners game or something. I don't know. But this is my favorite fact about the game that I found. But real talk, uh, a good thing about the game that I think is something I talked about earlier, and that is the point system. I like video games that have that arcadey point system to them when it makes sense, and I feel like this game does because otherwise there isn't much replayability. I like to go back to the level sure. and try and yeah. get the higher score go back and try and get the gold banana try and go uh without getting hit which is another badge that you can get it's a really cool thing to do again it's so damn frustrating to do it with the bongos but still that that is a uh, a cool thing in the game that they brought back from old arcade games that wasn't as uh, prevalent in the donkey kong country games and something that i'd like to see come back to whatever the next donkey kong game is i love the collectathon nature of donkey kong games but i would also like to see some kind of a, a high score system be implemented back into video games in general it's a uh, it's nice to end a level of a video game and have uh, a score meter pop up as opposed to just a cutscene, which is what most games uh, close out their levels with these days, you know? Yeah, it's true. Like, the end of the game should... The high scores make a difference, and even watching the speedruns, seeing the comparison between levels and other speedrunners, it, it adds another it adds another level to it. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back, though, Neil, because you said something real funny about the timing of this game and when it could have come out for the Wii. Do you remember what happened when the Wii came out? It was... No one could find it? Yeah! So you're saying you're going to put this game out at Christmas time when, Mm -hmm. you know, people like me were out there doing back alley deals for three Wiis for, (laughs) you know, some EB Games good stuff. But, uh... But no, like if they if they had brought it out then, that would have been even more of a nail in the coffin because they would have had the demand, Mm. but the supply would have been not there. I'm thinking summer. Summer is shorts and the jungle heat and go, it's too hot to go outside, but it's not too hot in the jungle. Like, it wrote itself. Yeah, that's that a good, a good point. point. I forgot about that. I forgot about that uh, scarcity of the Wii when it first came out. So you're right. Probably that the great Wii shortage of 2007. Mm, who, who could who could forget? <laughs> Little did we know what we were actually looking for was the Wii. Um, but yeah, maybe that second Christmas or the first summer might have been a better choice. But I still think after the Wii launch would have made more sense because March yes. 2005. We're still pre 
pre-Wii at this point. Um, Too soon. Pre-Wii and, and currently in Congress. <laughs> like, like, like it's just, I think it's just weird that it's between the Congress. Like, that, that's the, the one thing that really stands out to me. It's like, why? Why would you put this between two games that are very, very similar yeah. to this game? Like, it, it, it feels like cannibalizing the market very much mm-hmm. so, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> dividing the fan base. <laughs> dividing the fan base. Dividing the Kong fan base. Which Konga? Jungle Beat? <laughs> Or the other one. <laughs> like, for, like, parents, they definitely would have been super confused because it's just like, well, I just bought my kid Conga and, like, for Christmas of 2004. What's yeah. Jungle Bee? And now, wait, there's another Conga? Like, what? Like, that's when it gets confusing. Didn't this moment. game just but, come out? We have we have Conga at home. Exactly. See? <laughs> we have Conga at home. Yeah, you're right, Neil, though, for, like, the, the peripheral. Like, I think that is the biggest takeaway for just the Donkey Conga and Jungle Bee games in general is how good those bongos actually mm-hmm. are. Like Kira was saying too, it's not glitchy. Like the game itself isn't glitchy or anything. Like everything works. Like it, and that is a something that doesn't happen today anymore. That's for sure. Like everything worked at launch for Jungle Beat, which is rel- a relatively complicated game when you think about it, especially for two thousand five. Uh, making sure that everything was was going to work well with the haptic feedback and and that the controller that the bongos was was sturdy was a well built machine. You think of the. N64 and, and that era, you know, those controllers died yeah. on launch, right? So, like, it, it was cool to, for the GameCube era to make all their peripherals and their hardware really, really sturdy and knowing that kids were going to use it and destroy it. My so. palms healed enough from the N64 controllers to clap my heart out for the comps. You've had lots of time to heal now for whatever the next thing Nintendo puts out will be. My calluses are ready. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, uh, this is a good time to end it here, but before we do, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about Donkey Kong Jungle Bee and the good old Kongs in general? You know what? I'm so glad that I was born in a time where I got so many Donkey Kong games to experience. Mm. Like, of all of the timelines to be born into, we got so many Donkey Kong games. And even Mm. though Jungle Bee kicked my butt, I'm so glad I got to play it. And I owned it for a while. And I had, like, five sets of bongos. So I'm the reason you can't find them, Neil. I had them, and I honestly, I think I gave them to Value Village, like, in 2010. So good luck, my friend. Good luck. Um, Sorry to hear you gave them away, but you're totally right. We lived in the golden era of Donkey Kong games. It's just been a slow decline since then, so... Uh -uh, Uh-uh-uh, no, 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 past tense. No, no, no. There is still a future ahead (laughs) of us where... They may recreate GameCube games in 3D, and then we all win all over again. I'm waxing poetic, but I really just want a good drum. One Um. day. Nice. Well, thank you, Kira, very much for coming on Donkey Kong Jungle Bee and the Donkey Konga games beforehand a couple weeks ago as well. We really appreciate all your insight, knowledge, and memories of these fun games. And uh, yeah, keep keep on drumming on those bongos. I always appreciate getting a chance to hang out with you guys and and reminisce about fond memories of hitting things in the living room all by myself. (laughs) Well then. (laughs) Catch you again. (laughs) Talk to you soon. See you later, Kira. Bye. What a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Thank you very much, Kira, for coming on. Always a pleasure. We love talking to her. Uh, and uh, I love I love Kira's memories and her, her fun facts. And and the fact that she, uh, her family members, what was it, Diddy and Donkey Kong, or that they actually called them in, like, yeah. <laughs> real life. I love that. And yeah. no Diddy in this game. We actually didn't mention that. But uh, unfortunately for Kira, there is no Diddy in this game. 
Now, we'll have lots more to talk about because we do have another caller to come on, but the uh, the omission of all of the other Kongs in this game was a weird choice. I don't know what the goal was there. Um, but yeah, great to have Kira come on. I'm, I'm so fascinated that she played the Konga and uh, Jungle Beat games back in the day. Uh, I don't know many people when, when they talk about GameCube that talk about the Konga games, so it's great that we have found somebody to talk about them with. Uh, otherwise, we would only have people to talk about uh, Zelda and Resident Evil 4 and Metroid Prime with, so... Oh, she she loves Donkey Kong, and mm-hmm. uh, and I remember because I used to work with Kira, and I remember what I would look over my shoulder, and I she kind of sat behind me, and I would see her screen, and on one of her screens she had YouTube on, and it was just the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack, <laughs> nice, just going like constantly. And I was like, yeah, she's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Mike, I'm sure that someday we will find a way to talk about all the other Donkey Kong games in great detail. But uh, before we do that, I think I think I, we have another caller on the line. Who's joining us today? All right, Neil, joining us today, our second caller of the day is friend of the show, Spenny Spencer. He was last on for the Call of Duty episode, I think, when we, he talked about Big Red One. Uh, great game. And he had some great memories about that, uh, playing with his dad, playing, uh, playing that game. But um, before we get into Donkey Kong, Jungle Beat. Spending, we got to ask you a question, which is who is your favorite member of the Kong family? Uh, Chunky. No, Lanky. Lanky yes. Kong. <laughs> yes. Lanky Kong is the correct answer. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, the Donkey Kong 64 rap is timeless. And when Lanky came on, and like, I, don't know, I was like eight, and that was the funny stuff. That was good. This Kong has a funny face. Yeah! <laughs> he's got the trombone. He's like he's in a ska band or something. He's terrific. He's He's got the watermelons. Oh, man, great choice. He's my favorite Kong, too. Thank you for joining the Perfect. show today. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> but Lanky Kong, sadly, is missing from Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, unfortunately. The biggest sin of the game, in my opinion, Mike. What, what, what do you think about all those missing characters out there? It's really upsetting that, that they did not get into Jungle Beat, and that was one of the things that I really kind of noticed when I was playing it, that there was no Diddy. I talked about that earlier. That was Kira's favorite character. No uh, Diddy. That was sad to see. And no Lanky, of course. But, um, Spenny, what are your first memories of playing Donkey Kong Jungle Beat? It was actually a friend down the street his little brother had it so he and i would play and it was awesome because his name was owen and he was awesome but we didn't spend a whole lot of time together and uh but we got to play jungle beat and it was really cool and of course like now the jungle the congos when i look at it i'm like is it a gimmick is it not but when i was whatever 10 or 12 when it came out like it was so cool and i just remember like him and i just like you get so amped up because you're just smashing things and trying to beat up like like, the, the adrenaline was high, mm-hmm. and I remember that. It was so much fun. And Neil and I were talking about this earlier in the show that definitely, like, in 2005, this would have been such an amazing game, especially for a 12-year-old with a lot of energy, to mm-hmm. just wail on those bongos. And, and I think looking at it from a present-day lens, it, it does hit a little different. It's not quite the same in the sense of, like, uh, we have we've had motion controls, we've had the Wii, we've had other like things, and we've had VR now too, right? So, uh, the bongos, the gimmick is a kind of different present day, but back in the day, the gimmick was very much really cool and alive there. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Like maybe, yeah, we we've become conditioned to those kind of things because we have the things you just said. But at the time, you had to go by this whole different controller and it you just hit it and you clapped it was the most like primal neanderthal (laughs) like anyone could play this it made you even think like you know do i need a real controller for other things right yeah 
I think it, it in itself, just it being a thing made you rethink other games. And I know as I was doing research for this, I saw videos of people being like, oh, I beat like um, Dark Souls. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. like, using Jumbo <laughs> And you're like, how is that even possible? Yeah, I've seen I've seen Call of Duty. Like it's it's really funny to see people. It's like the whole Guitar Hero meme where people playing games with the Guitar Hero remote. But yeah, uh, the, the bongos can all you need to be able to do is to go left and right, jump and uh, some kind of an action button, but Thinking about that, like interacting with this game with the bongos, it got me thinking about, I know Microsoft is really big with their accessibility controllers and making video games accessible to people with uh, with physical disabilities, either not being able to use entire sides of their body or their hands or, or being colorblind in some senses, whatever it may be. I was thinking like this may be one of, for some people, the only GameCube game they may have been able to play because like they didn't have to use their fingers they didn't need to have as quick hand-eye coordination they didn't need to be able to line up a reticle to shoot all they had to do was hit these bongos which like you said spenny is like some the way you put it neanderthal way to play the game (laughs) Uh, but it is like just very much like it's one of the first things you learn how to do is to just slap things with your hands right so uh it got me thinking like this game in terms of an, an accessibility point of view is probably very accessible compared to other games on the gamecube that required you to understand left and right triggers and C-sticks and uh, understanding cameras and, you know, whatever else it may be. So that's a really good point. And this game did something else, too, that um, not a lot of other Donkey games did, for me at least, was made you feel overpowered to all hell. Mm-hmm. Like, Donkey Kong, for me, even though he's like this strong ape and they eventually make him more powerful in Smash Bros, I think of, I think back to the Donkey Kong Country games and you get tapped by, like, the smallest little snake or you know you get hit by a barrel wrong and you're dead like you know he just kind of falls over and is you know scratching his head but in this game like you go full super saiyan mode on some some of the animals and it almost turns into an anime how crazy powerful you look and it makes you feel so powerful this game is almost like a an, an incredible hulk game uh, just how much damage you're doing and how much like how hard you're hitting things it's it's really neat i'm, I'm kind of glad that they did that with the character because donkey kong was looking a little weak in some of the older Donkey Kong games. They gave him that aggressive look that we were looking for on our edgy GameCubes. Yeah, I think, and you earn it too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if when you get that, like, uh, zo- zoom in, I guess, especially when you're playing the bosses, and then you have to, like, brrr, like do a drum roll, yes. and it's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like, you earn that. That is you going absolutely wild and banging yes. the drum, and, like, you hit that guy 14 times. Yeah. It's not like button mashing or, you know, you press it once and you hold it and it just like, you know, like you said guitar here earlier, you know, when you like hold the cord and you're just maximizing all these points, but you're just holding a cord, you're not doing anything like this one. You earned it, Mm -hmm. whether it's super simple or not, like you hit them 14 times. Just honestly, your whole point about the peripheral itself and like the use of it. And kind of ha- having the realization, it's like, whoa, can I use this for anything now? Like, is this going to completely change, yeah. like, how I play games? It's like that, again, weird to, to think of it in 2022, thinking of it in 2005, absolutely, right? That, that would have just blown my mind as a kid. I kind of wish that I got to have bongos, that I got to have that experience. I didn't get to play the, the Conga games or Jungle Beat for a long time. But in terms of Conga games as well... You know, we're, we're talking about Jungle Beat, but uh, not those games today. But they do go hand-in-hand hand in a way. Did you ever play the, the Donkey Konga games, the rhythm games? No, I didn't know it existed until actually today. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. See, Owen didn't have it, so I didn't know mm. about it. Damn it, Owen. Yeah, get it together, buddy. Yeah, if you're listening to this, Owen, screw you. Um, <laughs> no, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Oh, Owen's a nice guy. Sorry, Owen. Sorry about that. You're a good guy. Pick up Donkey Konga, though. They are fun games. But 
Um, I did just want to say, though, that, like, I feel like that this game is a really good proof of concept for the Donkey Kong barrel, or for the Donkey Kong bongos, rather. I know mm-hmm. that Donkey Kongo was, like, a good rhythm game, but I feel like that this was a good uh, test for how it could work in a real game, quote-unquote, with, you know, actual levels and progression and boss fights, and it feels very much like the alpha or the beta of a game, and I really wish that they could have actually, as much as I have talked about, you know, hating using the bongos because I feel like it wasn't responsive at times or I just wanted to do what I wanted the thing to do and it wasn't working, I, I do still wish that they continued on this line and just to see where it went, maybe use the bongos in other games, definitely bring it over to the Wii. I don't know why it didn't work for any Wii games. Yeah. I think that would have been, that was a missed opportunity right there. But do you guys think that like these these bongos could have worked in any other game, either on GameCube or on Wii? Because I feel like that it's just wasted on the two Donkey Konga games plus the one in Japan and then this one. Yeah, I think maybe you'd have to like brand it a little bit differently, but like Wii Sports was infinite. Like there, you mm-hmm. could have done, we could have figured something else out and they could mm-hmm. definitely use some bongos in there. I don't know exactly what, but... Or, like, there's, like, I don't know, the rock band. Why not have some bongos in rock band? Yeah. Have like some sort of, like, tropical tribal jams. <laughs> tribal <laughs> jams. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something, too. Mike and I talked about franchises that did not get games back in the day, and now I'm trying to think of a franchise that didn't get a game or did that could use the bongos. I said earlier, like, the Hulk. I feel like a Hulk game probably could work with the bongos pretty well. I, I like the idea of like Guitar Hero or Rock Band because those were mm. on, you know, they did get ported to, they went on the Wii. That would have been really cool if there was an extra uh, thing there for Nintendo for Wii users. Like, oh, look, you can actually use the bongos as the drums for, for these parts or something like that. That would have been a great opportunity, I think, because Nintendo does have a long history of having games uh, that are made for lots of other systems that uh, are kind of specially made for them, right? Uh, and I even think of maybe like Soul Calibur style where you have Link and Soul Calibur, but just for the Nintendo mm. systems. Like, I think there's opportunity to have bongos in, in a Rock Band or Guitar Hero setting. That would have been really, really cool. And yeah, like you said, Neil, huge miss that bongos yeah. were not used in the Wii era. Yeah, because it's a cool peripheral and there's nothing quite like it. Whereas with the Rock Band and the Guitar Hero peripherals, you know, you can really only use the Guitar Hero guitar for a game with a guitar in it but with this one like you it's proven like you can move left and right you can jump so really it could work with almost any 2d platformer really and like i said earlier with the uh microsoft's accessibility controllers like this could be nintendo's accessibility controller this set of bongos but nevertheless we're stuck here and we don't have more bongo games which is unfortunate (laughs) but going back to jungle beat uh spenny i want to know did you ever beat this game i don't think i did uh and i'm saying that again in doing research but Something that did catch me, and sorry, not to kind of move this over, but I was thinking, as I'm looking at the bosses, and I was like, oh, I remember this guy, this guy's great. And then the next one, I was like, oh, these are fun. And then it's the same three bosses, like, four times. Yes. <laughs> and, and then I remember, I was like, even, yeah, being, like, whatever, 12 years old, and I'm being like, did they just mail it in? Like, did they just, like, you changed up the, the guy, He now he was gray before, now he's red, and he's a little mm-hmm. bit angrier, but it's the same boss. Like, <laughs> Yep. I get that it's harder, so I've earned it, but like, I still don't know how I feel if they just mailed it in, or it was strategic, or maybe it was both. Yeah, I think a little bit of both for sure, uh, and just it does like that. That is a, one of my criticisms uh, for Jungle Bee. It is it does feel a bit unfinished in that sense. Like, it, there's a lot of repetition, and, and Neil said this earlier in the show, but you know the the replayability is tr- is always trying to get your high score, which is cool. I like that it's like that arcade aspect of it, but when there's not that much variation, 
and you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again, it gets tiring, especially on your palms, because uh, <laughs> you can really only play this game for like 20, 30 minutes at a time. And <laughs> it's it's a lot. <laughs> And you can't do anything else while you're playing. Like, I like to listen to podcasts while I'm gaming. I like to listen to YouTube videos or whatever. With this game, like, you have to be in it. Like, you I can't like be that, doing though. Any- I guess so. Like, every so often, yes, I think that that's important to just be invested in whatever it is that you're consuming. But, like, with a 2D platformer, I don't ever sure. really need to be... Unless the music is real good, uh, I don't need to be just consuming that 2D platformer. And, like we've said before, if you're in a house with another person like a friend or a family member like they can't be doing anything else around poor you owen's either family yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> poor owen's family well spenny and him are just banging on these bongos all day trying to beat the the bird boss for the fifth time um it does definitely absorb the entire living room which is unfortunate i remember that being a big problem with the rock band drums with my dad too he hated it when i played the drums there but got had to beat green gra- green grass and high tides man had had to do it but yeah unfortunately yeah so no, I did not beat it. Or at least maybe that's part of it. It's so repetitive that I may have, but I don't remember. It's also hard. Like the game, like we were saying earlier, like the game is very hard, especially to get gold. Like I was, when we were playing last week, I was going my hardest. I was trying to hit as many things as I could. I was trying to do it perfect and I could barely get silver uh, for those levels. So like, I don't know how people get gold and just can, can speed run it that way. Like that's really impressive. That's that replayability makes you want to go back because I, I remember that yeah Does you it make you, you did want to go back oh, yeah. I mean, maybe some people must have man those hundred percented on you on YouTube are doing a pretty good job but yeah like you you did a good job in the level and then it's like silver it's like what do you have to do to those bongos to get a gold banana wink wink um, <laughs> we we talked about this in the on the podcast in general but uh, this was the era now of angry uh, angry first uh, first party. Uh, characters here we had angry kirby for kirby's air ride and of course we have angry donkey kong like really angry donkey kong on jungle beat and uh which is like a pretty big change for him from all the other games that you'll see donkey kong as uh even in donkey kong guy he's just a fun loving monkey you know he's having a good time uh but um but for jungle beat he's got his fist going through uh he's got mm. that that look on his face like he's gonna wreck someone today and uh, I did think that was pretty funny that uh, they went full angry uh, DK. And even Japan, even in Japan, the Japanese box art, which often is the, the nicer one, like the, for Kirby Air Ride, uh, Kirby smiling while he's going on his star. But uh, for the Japanese one, he Donkey Kong is also super angry. And it says uh, that he is the king of kings on the Japanese box art. What does that mean? <laughs> I, I feel like they didn't want to say king of Kongs. And so they said king of kings. Because, like, King of Kongs is a little too close to King Kong. King of Beers, Donkey Kong. (laughs) They also gave him, like, a weird kind of fuzz to him. I don't know what was going on in this generation with giving... I guess they wanted to make, like, the hair animations stand out a little bit. I don't know. They tried to make him look fuzzy. He almost looks like he's, like, a dandelion. Like, you know, (laughs) like, when they go white or something. Which they eventually do away with. He looks a little bit more slick. He uh, he got some hair hair gel to to get his fuzzies down, I suppose. But they definitely make him look fuzzier. It's a different art style again. Like it's Nintendo EAD now making this game. It's no longer rare. Um, but like Spenny said, like feeling like that they cashed it in. I feel like that too. And Mike and I have talked about a lot of games where you can feel like the developers are just trying to get a game out in time for a movie launch or whatever it may be. You know, they're out of development time. They're out of money. The game needs to go out. But this is Nintendo we're talking about. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not a small developer and publisher. Like it's it's their console. It's their biggest. It's their first Donkey Kong game in 
uh, six years, and yeah, like t- to just rehash four boss fights in a row, and just by giving them angry red eyes, like that, that's it. Like we're just gonna make everybody angrier and more stronger as we go on, and that's supposed to be it. Like even changing it up and not having a boss fight at the end of each world would have been fine. Like making one of the levels a really difficult platforming level, or adding a rhythm level in there, like where you have to do a bongo bong. What's a bongo bong off? What would you call that? Like a like two bongo like bong, off, yeah. Bongo e bongo against someone else playing bongos, and then like the better drummer wins, like something like that. It, just to or make less worlds, or make the worlds bigger, so you don't have to have four boss fights over and over again. Just something to make it yeah. a little less repetitive. Well, and like it is such a creative, outside of the box idea, right? Mm-hmm. To have like these bongos. So I think you're right. Like why not? do something more along those lines. Yeah, like you're now you're playing such and such and you're both playing bongos or it's like, I don't know, like even a Mario Party aspect, right? Like uh, yeah. Simon says with the bongos or something, like there's a lot of opportunities there. I like that. And they went with the one they went with and like it's still memorable. It's still yeah. great, but there is definitely opportunities to maybe be even more creative or yeah, if more bosses or fewer boss fights because there are like 12 or something, like 15. Like that's a lot. It almost gets kind of stale. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I even like a because um, one thing I noticed too. There's not really a cooldown period in this game. <laughs> like uh, most rhythm games, you do have like breaks, but for this, you're just constantly going at it. And then the end. I'm not sure if you remember this, but uh, at the end, uh, you have the opportunity to get all those bananas or as many as you can, and that's just when you want to wail on the bongos the hardest and the most. Right. Uh, is that like that little mini game once you're completed the level and like that is uh is pretty hard too you think you're done it's like no no i need to go harder again yeah yeah that one you just beat the ever-living crap out of the bongos to win bananas and I, I i see what they were going for there but like could they not have just added more bananas to the level like i i get what they were going for you really just have to get your energy out on that last part to get a few extra bananas but i, I don't know what the goal was of that little mini game thing at the end of each level but it's still fun, like you said. Like this game is fun to play, but yeah. really, like playing it any longer than in short bursts, which is what the developers had in mind. It, I can't imagine playing this game for hours, and I think your neighbors are gonna hate you if you do. So, yeah, good in short bursts. Maybe we'll see it again someday. But for now, this is the only Donkey Kong Jungle beat in existence. It's the last of its kind, Neil. And um, well, let's keep spinning on to uh, read the back of the case. What do you think? Hey, all right, sounds good. Let's read the back of the case. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Grab a set of DK bongos and use them to guide Donkey Kong through wild jungle environments, brimming with ravenous enemies and bongo-busting challenges. String together aerial combos to collect more bananas. The more you get, the more stages you'll unlock. Over 40 areas to unlock in all. Control is all in the bongos. Hit the bongos to make DK run, jump, do backflips, pound the ground, leap up walls, and much more. I think that's it, actually. I don't think that he can do much more than that. Nope, that's it. You've got five <laughs> buttons on the whole on the whole bongo thing. There's actually two buttons in each drum pad. I didn't know that. Um, yes, plus the start yeah. pad and the clapping thing. There's two buttons in each uh, bongo head. Uh, but I think they both do the same thing, regardless of where you hit them. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, and of course, like you said, Neil, this is in a thousand one video games you must play before you die. This is their little summary here. One of the most physical games of all time. Yep. <laughs> the game is a fine example of Nintendo's knack for repurposing their own heritage. 
There's Donkey Kong in the platforming, of course, but there's also Punch-Out, with its boss fights which are staged like boxing matches, with a rogues gallery of simian bruisers. Though it hasn't many levels, depth is lent by a stern score attack, which is intensely challenging even if you are playing for just playing for bananas. Most sections are designed so that you can traverse them with chains of moves such as sw uh, small jumps and vine swinging, which as long as you don't touch the ground will earn you higher scores. If you were hoping for a moment to relax, forget it. The minigame at the end of the level involves an extended pounding session in order to earn as many bananas as you can, leaving your arms and palms burning with the sheer euphoric effort of it all. I can probably think of a thousand video games, and this would be the thousand and first video game I would recommend. Like, I, I appreciate the write-up and everything, but like, my god, like, every other Donkey Kong game better be in this book before this one. Like... Not that it's a bad game, but just like I, I can see it being it's it's an important video game. Like it's definitely a part of Nintendo's history and it's it's an interesting GameCube game. It's like I said at the beginning of the show, one of the most interesting Nintendo games in general. Um, but being a game you must play before you die, um I think you'll be okay dying without playing Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, but we're going to talk about that more at the end of the episode. It's true. And, Spenny, I did have a question for you before uh, we let you go. Did you play other Donkey Kong games uh, other than, than Jungle Beat? Yes, Donkey Kong 64 is one of my all-time favorites. Boom, nice. Loved it, absolutely love it. And then, I mean, Donkey Kong Country and stuff, <clears throat> uh, here and there, it was my, like my cousins had an S Super Nintendo, so like a little bit. And that one was hard and a little bit scary when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then yeah, after that, just kind of like, you know, Super Smash and stuff. Yeah. I'm very familiar with Donkey Kong. But DK64 is flat out amazing, <laughs> so good. Uh, um, yeah, Spenny's the big supporter of DK64, uh, the official brand ambassador mm. of, uh, of DK64, if you will. <laughs> I will accept that for sure. <laughs> we need another 3D Donkey Kong game. I really hope the yeah. next one is a 3D one. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Donkey Kong 64. I liked it. I think it's a bit bloated in terms of a 3D platformer, but uh, I think I think Nintendo need to do a 3D one now because it's been way too long, uh, and uh, they need to give it another shot. So I hope. Uh, we can have Spenny on in the future to talk about whatever the next 3D Donkey Kong game is. I can't wait for that. But uh, mm. until we do, Spenny, is there anything else you'd like to say about Donkey Kong, Jungle Bee, or the Kongs in general before we let you go? Uh, no, I think you guys have covered it. It was it was fun, and it was super simple, and I think that's kind of what it was going for. So Very good. Well, we hope to have you on again real soon to talk about uh, whatever game it is that you uh, you played back in the day. But yeah. thanks again so much for coming back on. We loved having you on for, of course, Call of Duty and on our James Bond episode. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on for the Hat Trick episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. See you later, Spenny. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you so much, Spenny, for coming on. Always a pleasure to have him. Um, love, <laughs> love his memories. Love Owen. Big shout out to Owen for uh, for having a GameCube. And I love that there's so many people. I think Kira is honestly an exception because she got to have the GameCube uh, when it came out. But most of the people that we talked to and know, uh, they had GameCubes or they had a GameCube experiences through other people. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like my friend's older brother or like uh, my friend like that lived a couple blocks away from me or like or. Uh, a friend of the show, Jason, who's come on, uh, talks about how he had an Xbox and his friend had a GameCube and they would just swap back right. and forth for the consoles. And um, that's just such a, I love that kind of time of being a kid 
and uh, and it does really bring back a lot of cool memories because when you yeah when you talk about games you think about the memories you had playing that game and you think about like oh yeah I remember when I was playing this with my dad or mm-hmm. playing this with this friend of mine that I don't talk to anymore so yeah it's it's a it's a cool trip down memory lane always even if it's Jungle Beef yeah even if it's Jungle every game counts down memory lane and it's really fun to see people picking up GameCubes for the first time in 2022 yeah like they never owned one back in the day like you said they played it at a cousin's house or at a friend's house and now. Like only now they're picking it up. Like it's really cool that you can do that. I I I'm glad that the console still works. That there's enough consoles out there because it just didn't sell so much. So I'm, I'm glad that people have the means and the accessibility to go buy one and play these games finally, uh, despite the, the soaring costs of some of these games, like we talked about last week. Uh, it is still possible to pick them up, which is great. I don't know if the same thing is going to be true in 20 years when we're talking about the PS4, people picking up the PS4 for the first time in 20 years. We'll see. Um, but I don't think it's going to have the same effect that the GameCube did have or Donkey Kong Jungle Beat did have. But Mike, before we go through our closing uh, segment, as we normally do in our episode, I have a fun game I want to play. Do you want to play a game, Mike? <laughs> what is this, Saw? Yes, yes. <laughs> There's a key hidden in your... No. Um, so I have my Donkey Kong bongos here, of course. I uh, mm. I own the game. I own the bongos. Very proud owner of a set of DK sure. bongos. Now, I wanted to play you a song with my DK bongos, which you then have to guess what song it is that I'm playing. Does that sound good? Sure. I'll, let's, let's, see what I, let's see if I can do it. All right. Hold on. Let me just see if... Can you hear this? Like, is it sounding okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I figured it would sound okay. I just want to make sure it doesn't sound like complete total garbage. For the listeners at home, this might not be fun, but I have six songs here, Mike, and I want to see if you can do it, okay? I'm going to start you with an easy one. So here we go. Okay, so we'll, we will rock you. Very good. Okay, that's one for one. Good. Now, this one, not, not, I'm not going to play that's all the, the songs. That's the only one I was thinking. There you go. <laughs> not all of these songs are going to be like the beginning of the song. Some of these songs, I'm really just drumming the melody, so you really have to listen hard, okay? Because this is not the intro of the song. So here okay. we go. This is more of a fill. Do 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 do. Ah, uh, in the air tonight. Very good. Ah, oh, ding ding ding. Two for two. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. It's uh, Star Wars, uh, Imperial March, I guess, or whatever that's called. You got it. Three for three. Nice. Well, you're doing so good at this. I would. Yeah. I would be terrible at this. All right. <laughs> let's see if you can get this one. This one might be a little bit more tricky. But here we go. Uh, I know that, but what is it? Uh, can, can, I, can I hear it again, Alex? Sure, let, let's rewind the tape. Let's do it again. Um, uh, crazy Train. You got it. Nice. Very good. Nice, nice. Okay, you're, you're going perfect so far. Four for four. Love it. All right. Number five. Uh, Super Mario theme. Very good. All right. Cool. All right. <laughs> Last song of the day. Sixth song. I think you're going to get this one pretty quick, but this is the harder one, but it goes something like this. <laughs> is this Ocean Man? This is Ocean Man. Of course it's Ocean Man. <laughs> Ocean Man. <laughs> Take me by the hand, make you understand. That was a fun game. I like that. That, that was good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm surprised I got them all. I'm impressed. Six for six. Very good. Very good. I wanted to do something like we did back on our Kirby episode, where if listeners haven't checked that one out, Mike and I do an eating contest where we both eat something on on the show and guess what the other person was eating. It was a really interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting choice for an episode. But Mike, do you recommend our listeners out there uh, pick up Donkey Kong Jungle Beat for the Nintendo GameCube? It's a good question, and yeah, I would say 
because one thing you can actually get Donkey Kong Jungle Beat for quite cheap. It mm-hmm. usually goes for I, I forget what your price point here was, Neil, but uh, I usually see it for about thirty thirty five dollars, uh, and it's it's relatively inexpensive in that sense for a, a first party GameCube game. But um, obviously the bongos is what the expense is. So right. if you already have Donkey Kong bongos and you don't own Jungle Beat, absolutely just go pick up Jungle Beat right now. Mm. Uh, but if you don't have uh, the bongos, I, I, I don't know. It would be a toss-up. If you can find it for a good price, if you can find especially the box with mm. the bongos and Jungle Beat, if you find it for under $100, I would say, absolutely pick it up. 100%. Yeah, I think the complete set we're looking at around $80. If you want the box, the cardboard box included with shipping and everything, you're probably looking at more like 100 Canadian dollars. So not terrible when you think about some of the other prices yeah. of GameCube games. The only issue with this one is that you're not going to play this game for hours on end like you would a Zelda or a, a Mario game. It's a bit more of a, a plug and play game with, with friends at parties. It's a good drinking game or something if that's what you want to do. So mm-hmm. price aside, I think that this is a very novel GameCube game to play. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting game in Nintendo's history. So if you're one of those collectors that either A, want to own all the Donkey Kong games, you want to own all of the uh, first-party Nintendo games on GameCube, you're just a Nintendo collector in general, I think that this is a great uh, game for you. If you're more of a uh, gamer who's looking for a great Donkey Kong game to play, I don't think this is the game for you. I think <laughs> you should definitely look into more the SNES Donkey Kong games, the Donkey Kong Country Returns on Wii, or Tropical Freeze on Wii U and Switch. So, like you said, it, it, it's an interesting question because it really depends on what kind of a gamer you are and what kind of a collector you are. But yeah, if you can find a good copy of Donkey Kong Jungle Beat inbox with the bongos, I think just owning the bongos is something you should own. Jungle yes. Beat aside, I think you should own a pair of Donkey Kong bongos. And then as you go through your collecting journey, you find a copy of Donkey Konga 2, you pick that up. You find a copy of Jungle Beat, you pick that up. They're each like $15, $25 each. So um, definitely seek out a pair of the Donkey Kong bongos and see what games you can play them with and then uh, get big on Twitch because it seems like that's what people do with these bongos in 2022. <laughs> yeah, let me get my bongo. Uh, I got to get some bongos and I'll start playing Elden Ring, Neil. I'll, I'll stream <laughs> that for you. Can't wait to see that. We should actually try that, though, and see if we can figure it out. But <laughs> nevertheless, Mike, where do you see the future of Donkey Kong and the DK bongos going forward, other than Elden Ring Let's Plays? <laughs> I think Kira nailed it, honestly, with VR. I like this. <laughs> this is not going anywhere until we get new Nintendo hardware. I can I can say that very safely. Mm. There's absolutely no way we will get a Donkey Kong uh, Jungle Beat Konga game uh, on the Switch. No. I, I, don't, I honestly doubt we'll get a Donkey Kong game on the Switch, but um, uh, I think with a new with new hardware and if Nintendo does invest a little bit into VR, I think Donkey Kong is the boy for for it. Like I, I'm pretty sure that they will use him, and I could see them doing some kind of Beat Saber esque thing with Donkey Kong. Uh, does it become you know a Jungle Beat experience? Uh, I don't think fully, but I think I think they would try and make it so there's elements of progression. In like a in some kind of a world with Donkey Kong and you're doing VR uh, bongo hitting or something. So uh, it, yeah, it, there's there's a lot to unpack with it, but I I think we'll see Donkey Kong in a very different sense uh, once the new hardware comes out because I can see him being used as a tech demo. Interesting. I don't I don't see the the appeal to the Donkey Kong VR as much as you and Kira did. To be honest, I don't I don't think Nintendo are going to jump into VR as heavily as some of the other. 
uh, developers are. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of VR. Uh, I think it's still very much in its infancy, and I don't think gaming is what VR is, is made for. I think it's more for travel and for uh, like exploration and uh, communication more than video games. But mm -hmm. uh, Donkey Kong as a VR game, maybe one day, but I think that there's other uh, Nintendo games that would be better. We've talked about Metroid. Uh, Metroid Prime specifically being that VR tech demo, and I think yep. Star Fox would be really cool. Any kind of flight sim or space game would be really cool. Um, I like your thought, though, of uh, Donkey Kong not being on Switch. I think we are going to get it on Switch, but here's my prediction. I think mm. the next Donkey Kong game is going to come out close to or after the next Nintendo console comes out, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like it's going to be one of those, like, oh, wow, I'm playing Donkey Kong, I'm playing my Switch after the Switch 2 comes out. What for? I'm playing Donkey Kong. Like, I think it's going to be weird, but I feel like that's what they'll do. I, I don't know, honestly, what is going on with the franchise. Like, it's been so weirdly quiet and we've had like seven kirby games since the last donkey kong <laughs> game and it's like where where is he like what are you doing with him and i like to think that it is like we talked about with spenny like it is the big 3d i hope they are making a 3d donkey kong game and this mm -hmm. is why it's taking so long is because it's been so long since they did that will the dk bongos be included in that game no i don't <laughs> i don't think so i don't think donkey kong bongos are coming back i would love them to i think the switch is perfect for it because you can put each joy con yeah. in the other side of the each side of the bongo you're not hitting the joy cons but the joy cons would be sensing what you're hitting so yeah. it, it it's the perfect console to bring it back but it would be so weird i would love it to death but i would love them to do like just a peripheral run in general where they come back with Rob the Robot and the Donkey Kong Bongos and like the Wii Fit board and just like make a collection of all of these peripherals over the years that they've done and like have like a love letter to them like put mm -hmm. put old games in put a new game like the Don like the Duck Hunt Zapper like bring it all back uh, I don't know what you would charge for it if it would be individual but I think that Nintendo has such an interesting history with peripherals that they could make some kind of a weird collection with them and the Joy Cons are perfect for it because they have all those motion sensors and gyro controls in them so. We'll see. But uh, Donkey Kong for now is unfortunately on the shelf. So while we're waiting for the next VR Donkey Kong Bongo experience, Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 109 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast? Well, Neil, on episode 109 of uh, this beautiful podcast, we will be talking about the Cartoon Network games that were on the GameCube. So these are games that uh, that the Cartoon Network had licenses for, and they were on the, well, the, the shows were on Cartoon Network, and they had games because, of course, we know, Neil, every show, every movie has <laughs> to have a tie-in in the early 2000s, and we got a ton of them, and a lot of weird ones, honestly, but it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about some of them, Wallace and Gromit, uh, Carmen San Diego. Uh, there's even uh, Billy and Mandy's uh, whatever. The Grim Adventure. Adventures of Billy and Mandy. That's the one. Yeah. So, uh, I'm really excited to talk about some of these games and, and, and dig up some old memories because uh, looking back, I was like, wow, I kind of forgot these, these shows existed. I'm excited. Yeah, I forgot a lot of these shows not so much existed. I forgot that they weren't Nickelodeon or Disney. That That's True, more yes. my thing. Like It's like, wow, this was like Powerpuff Girls were Cartoon Network. I really thought they were Nickelodeon. So yeah, it's uh, it's like we've talked about with movie tie-ins. We've talked a lot about different cartoon tie-ins. These games were, were fun. Uh, they weren't THQ, which is interesting. I don't think any of the games we're talking about next week are made by THQ, which is uh, mm. funny to see. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about those games with you. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 108 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. 
You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool. All patrons get the show ad free and a little early. Thank you so much to everyone over there. You can follow us for free on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and you can join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Just search the GameCube was cool. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Owen, Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. What would have happened if Rare kept making Donkey Kong games? Like, Would they have made a Jungle Beat, you think? No. Do you think the bongos would have existed for Rare? No, I don't think so. I don't know what... God, that's an interesting question. What would they have done with... Because that's the thing. Like, they would have made Sea of Thieves, but with Donkey Kong. So... Sea of Thieves bongo style. Finally. Love it. (laughs) (laughs)